This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers, adult language, and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a podcast of Rare Antiquities, episode 22. Today we're going back to before the superhero movie craze with Batman Forever. I'm your host, Jeff. And I am your reluctant host, Harry. (laughs) Well, I guess that about sums up uh, what your opinion is, uh, Phil, here, but... Well, we'll see if we can hold your opinion till later. Uh, but let's go back in time a little bit. Batman Batman Forever was released in 1995, so we already had two the two Tim Burton Batman films under uh, under our belt by this point. So a new director, new Batman. Uh, can you think back to, you know, 94, 95 when the marketing machine started to churn out on this one? Can you recall if your anticipation level, if any, uh, what your initial thoughts were before the film came out? I was a real big fan at the time of Michael Keaton as Batman. So the change in actors from my memory put me off. I don't remember any of the hype or the marketing or anything like that. But I probably because I think on initial release, I was fairly disappointed in Batman Returns. Mm. And I mean, it wasn't something that I enjoyed immensely at the time, even though I think I appreciate it a little bit more now as I'm a little older. But with Batman Forever, this is one of the ones that I really haven't rewatched frequently in the years since it's been released. I may have seen it two or three times in my life, and that's probably it. And Mm -hmm. that's maybe being generous. Maybe I've only seen it twice before rewatching it here for the podcast. Right. Well, you know what? And I, and I suspected that might have been the case for you and for a lot of people, which is part of the reason why I chose uh, this one. I think that, you know, the Batman, 1989, Batman, Batman Returns, they get a fair amount of play and Batman and Robin kind of goes down in history as black hole and, and cinematic history. So this one kind of gets lost in the middle, which is which is why I wanted to revisit it a, a little bit. Yeah, because we watched Batman and Robin together. Yes, we did. Yes, yes. we did. <laughs> So, yeah. I I just remember being it's like an angry it's like a, an angry parent you know it's like I'm not mad I'm just disappointed it's, <laughs> it's kind of how I felt it was just so many wasted uh, that's a different episode obviously we could do a whole series on Batman and Robin probably shit uh, if I I mean I don't recall a lot about the lead up to Batman Forever obviously the hype machine works differently now than it did then uh, you know there wasn't really an internet at least not in in every home there you know there aren't there weren't chat rooms and websites you could go to it was just the trade magazines and and the trailers as they came out mm-hmm. i i remember being pretty excited for it i i, just, I was yeah don't. i remember just jim carrey being a really big star i think yeah. around the mid 90s mid to late 90s is pretty much the peak of jim carrey's mm-hmm. career in terms of being a uh, in demand hollywood star yeah definitely he was uh he was at the peak of his of his career at this around this point he was absolutely huge and, and yeah that that overshadowed a lot of the uh, the marketing i think I, I remember watching the trailer for this and i i loved the trailer at the time i actually watched the trailer again last night after i watched the film and it's pretty representative of trailers from that time from the mid 90s which isn't quite as uh, slick as as they are today but still kind of I still kind of like that trailer but I I was really excited I I also was a, a bit disappointed after Batman Returns although you know I liked the film at the time but you know the, the Michael Keaton moving on I think at the time I was okay with it not that I didn't like him at the time but uh, I you know I didn't have a problem with that I was just really excited to see a new Batman film so I was you know I was ready to go man I, I was uh, I was just 
just like, okay, I'm getting Val Kilmer. It's like, Iceman, dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. And then I just, all I picture is the, oh, the bite, the bite back. <laughs> Wait, and you know what's funny? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? No, I know what you're talking about. But at the time, I had never seen Top Gun. So I had no idea who this guy was. Oh, okay. I, I, mean, I went and watched a movie that he was in called, I think it's called, it's something like Thunderheart or something where he plays a cop or an FBI agent goes to a, investigate a murder on a, on a Native American reservation, I think, or something like that. I don't really even remember the movie all that much, but I went and watched it because Sounds I'm like, like oh. like a Van Damme film. So it does sound like a Van Damme film, actually. Yeah. Probably not as good as the average Van Damme film from the <laughs> mid either. But. That's that. That's some harsh criticism right there. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I remember being really bored with it, and I couldn't tell you a damn thing about that movie. But, you know, there you go. So I, just, I was. I just uh, remember him in The Saint. And I never really watched The Saint. I was just. I remember the trailer just because, you know, the haughty Elizabeth Shue. Damn, she was hot. That was, that's about as far as I remember. <laughs> It's about as far as you remember. Or Elizabeth Shue. Hey, she won an Oscar, man. That's all you can say about her. Don't diss the shoe. I'm telling you. I'm right not. Now, I'm, so. I'm trying to. I'm trying to give her a little bit. I'm trying to give her that, some more play here. That's my boyhood crush. Is is the shoe? She was. Yeah. She was uh, a nice looking lady, and she can act too. Which this is a shame that her career just never really. Well, like so many actors, right? They, it just doesn't. Just doesn't turn into a, a long, a long career. But oh, anyway, she, she had a career with me. <laughs> <laughs> we should get her on the show, and we can. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know that you always you always bring the class with you when you show up to the episode. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what a guy! All right, well, uh, we've got we've got lots to get into. I've got some uh, got some trivia, but how about we dive right into the plot synopsis? Go ahead, by all means. All right, here we go. Batman Forever, former district attorney and current Gotham City supervillain Harvey Dent, aka Two Face, stages a bank robbery as a trap for the Dark Knight. Batman arrives on the scene in dramatic descent from the sky to confer with Police Commissioner Gordon, but Gordon's brought a new pal, the smoldering and sexy Doctor Chase Meridian, who specializes in multiple personality disorders. She's practically slathering herself all over Batman like warm butter, but he doesn't have time for this. It's time to stop Two-Face. After punching a few masked bad guys in the face, Batman leaps into the open bank vault to rescue the hapless security guard and, oh yeah, did I mention that this is a trap? The vault slams shut and gets hauled out of the building by a helicopter. Two-Face's plan is to dump a bunch of cash on the Gothamites below and then watch the chaos ensue. Someone's been studying the Jack Nicholson school of supervillainy, but the vault is also filled with acid. Sorry, make that boiling acid and it's only a matter of time before Batman and the security guard are turned into slushy goo being the expert safe cracker that he is Batman opens the vault from the inside rescues the guard takes down the helicopter, but not before Two-Face escapes into the night. The next day at Wayne Enterprises, Bruce Wayne is taking a tour of the electronics division when he runs into mad scientist in the making, Dr. Edward Nigma. Nigma displays some seriously antisocial behavior, babbles some shit about brainwaves, and demands research funds from Bruce. Bruce, understandably creeped right the fuck out, says, oh, says no, and oh, was that the bat signal? Whoops, gotta go. Bruce arrives on scene at the bat signal, but it's not Commissioner Gordon who has called him here. It's Dr. Meridian, and she has one thing on her mind. She wants to get under that cape. Batman's annoyance turns to intrigue, but he blows her off again and leaps away into the night. Back at Wayne Enterprises, Nigma is still stewing over Bruce's rejection of his project, and his supervisor, Stickley, is chewing him out over it. Edward, being the rational, balanced man that he is, sits down with Stickley, talks out a solution, and everyone lives happily ever after. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nigma bonks Buddy on the head and straps him to his brainwave device, the box, and zaps his brain. For some reason, Nigma has also hooked himself up to the box and discovers that he can suck the mind power of another person and absorb it into his own. 
making him smarter. Funny, for some reason he doesn't seem to act any smarter. Nigma then drops Stickley out the window. Death is ruled a suicide as Nigma was able to forge a suicide note and the security tapes. He's going to resign from Wayne Enterprises, but he needs some questions answered first. He sends a couple of childish riddles to Bruce, who easily solves them, but decides to consult with Dr. Meridian. She's different when he's not covered in skin-tight black rubber armor, and she's not really digging his vibe. But after a little witty banter, she accepts his invitation to a charity circus event. The main event at the circus is the Flying Graysons, a family of high-flying trapeze performers. They flip and swing and do all kinds of death-defying trapeze stuff, but this wouldn't be a random charity event with a bunch of rich people in Gotham City without a supervillain to crash the party. Two-Face, flanked by goons with machine guns, demands to know the identity of Batman and sets a timer on a giant comical bomb to go off in two minutes unless someone comes forward with Batman's ID. The Graysons and Bruce spring into action, beating up the thugs and trying to get that bomb the heck out of there. But as Dick Grayson manages to get the bomb through the roof and tossed into the harbor, his mother, father, and brother all fall at the hands of Two-Face. Bruce invites Dick to chill at Wayne Manor, but meanwhile, Edward Nigma, now as his fully formed alter ego, the Riddler, has tracked down Two-Face's hideout, which looks metal as fuck. They come up with a plan to insinuate Nigma's box into every home in Gotham, while simultaneously humiliating Batman before killing him. Probably a better idea to just figure out how to kill him, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt for now. Back at Wayne Manor, Dick is puzzled by the single locked door in the entire mansion. Being the industrious young acrobat that he is, he swings himself past the door and tumbles down into the Batcave. He makes off with the Batmobile, cruises some chicks, punches some neon-lit gang members, and gets seriously scolded by Batman for stealing Dad's car. But Dick thinks this is totally awesome and wants Bruce to train him to be his partner so he can track down and terminate Two-Face. But that's not Bruce's style. After an inspirational crime spree montage courtesy of Two-Face and the Riddler, Bruce shows up with Dick and Chase at another high profile party full of rich people, this time to showcase the next generation of Edward Nigma's box. Sure enough, the party is crashed by Two-Face. Seriously, people in Gotham never learn. Bruce slips out, then slips back in, this time dressed as Batman, but not before the secrets of his mind are stolen by Nigma's box. After a tussle with Two-Face's gang, Batman narrowly avoids a gravel-filled grave thanks to a surprise appearance from Dick, dressed up in his finest trapeze tights. He's a part of this now, whether Bruce likes it or not. And what are the data mined from Bruce's mind at the party? Well, let's just load that up into the next Netflix queue and... Oh, what's this? Two-Face and the Riddler cackle as they see the contents of Bruce's mind. A giant, slow-motion flapping bat. That can only mean one thing. It's Halloween back at Wayne Manor, and Bruce is shutting down the Batcave. He explains to Dick that it's all over. It's time to move on, for both their sakes. Dick takes off on his motorcycle, and Dr. Meridian arrives arrives at Wayne Manor for some trick-or-treating. Bruce wants nothing more than to tell her who he really is, as memories flood back from the first night he discovered the Batcave as a child. She starts getting the picture, but Two-Face and the Riddler show up to ruin the heart-to-heart. -heart. A bullet zings Bruce in the head, the Riddler destroys the Batcave, and Two-Face makes off with Dr. Meridian. What's a Batman story without a damsel in distress? Bruce wakes up with Alfred standing over him, and he breaks the bad news. Dick has run away, the bad guys have made off with his girlfriend, and the Batcave has been destroyed. And there's another shitty riddle from the guy who literally does riddles as his superpower. Anyway, all of the riddles have a through line, which Bruce uses to deduce the Riddler's true identity, Edward Nigma. Hardly seems to matter at this point, though, as we already knew Nigma is a giant douche. Thankfully, not all of Batman's gadgets were destroyed. Still has his fishing boat, his plane, and a decked out sonar prototype bat suit that, that does, well, it, it looks like it, well, it, it probably sold some toys anyway. <laughs> Having had a change of heart along the dark road out of Gotham, Dick shows back up, now in his own skin-tight rubber suit modeled after his flying Grayson's digs, and it's off to the Riddler's super-secret neon-bright spotlight-projecting island to finish this thing. Batman takes the super-sweet jet and tells Dick, or now Robin, to, you know, sail that boat and basically be a distraction, which he is in so many ways. They make it to the island, 
Dick beats up Two-Face and then exhibits his superpower, getting captured, and the Riddler makes Batman face a choice. Rescue his new partner and embrace life as Batman, or save Chase and let the Batman die forever. Batman's like, nah, I'm Bruce and Batman. Buttons pressed, gadgets thrown, bullshit, bullshit, and he saves both Chase and Robin from a watery grave. He throws some coins at Two-Face, he falls off a ledge to his death, and for some reason the Riddler now looks like he has Elephant Man Syndrome, so it's off to Arkham for him. With Two-Face dead, Riddler insane and locked up, Bruce kinda sorta breaks up with Chase, and is free to run in slow motion towards the camera with his new buddy, ready to fight crime another day. The end. Alright, well there we have it, Harry. That's Batman Forever. Why don't you uh, give me your thoughts from the from the synopsis? I, I like some of the stuff with Dick Grayson, even though I think the final product didn't turn, turn out that great, but there are some things I like in there. But overall, it seems very cheesy. I mean, pretty much the run of the mill on how I'd figure an action movie from the 90s would be. Mm -hmm. It's very 90s. It's very appropriate for the time. Not a lot of, I, I you know, from the synopsis, there doesn't, and it might have been the way you were joking with it as well, um, and, you know, having a little fun with it. There's not a lot of serious undertone, but I think there's a couple of moments in the film that we can maybe get into later that's, a bit, you know, slightly serious. But it feels, the way you've described it in that synopsis, it feels very Adam West appropriate. Yeah, well, it, you know what? And it's interesting that you say that because I, I found just in the visual style a lot, a lot of similarities to the uh, to the old '60s TV series. Just if you, you know, if you take a look at just camera angles, so many of the camera angles, like they're set on an angle, so there'll be a flat set, but the camera's tilted you know, say 25 degrees, which is a, a technique that they used on the old, on the old series. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure assuming they Schumacher that. was just a fan of yeah. the old, old series and he was just trying to pay some kind of fucked up, bizarre homage to it in his own way. I'm assuming that's yeah. what he did. The way he filmed it, the way he lit it, the way he approved any of this stuff. I'm assuming it's coming from his, for his love for that show. Yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting. I, I, uh, so just to sort of, uh, transition into the, trivia segment of the of the show he so Joel Schumacher was a Batman fan he was a fan of the comic books as well he originally wanted to make an adaptation of Frank Miller's Batman year one as a uh, as kind of a prequel so he uh, he wanted to make a, a dark uh, gritty version here but the studio wanted a, a more family-friendly version something that was brighter so you know more kid-friendly but this is such a departure from tim burton's yeah vision you know what was presented before like tim version still had a sense of goofiness yeah. he always does in his movie you can tell there's a sense of fun there's fun here too but it's taken on a completely different level yeah and you know it's more cheeseball at least with Burton there was a sense of I have created a universe you know gothic yeah. and they've completely departed from that it's something in a, in a completely different here. yeah it absolutely is something completely different uh here and just to, uh, just to say this really is the genesis of the end <laughs> you know like because <laughs> all the tr all the failures of Batman and Robin are really start here you see everything yeah, yeah. yeah everything everything is definitely rooted rooted here it was like it was almost uh, to hear Joel Schumacher talk about uh, how how these how both of those movies came together, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, was uh, you know a one thing the studio wanting a kid friendly film, uh, partly in response to what the studio deemed was a lackluster performance out of Batman Returns, you know which was which is quite dark if you watch it, watch it now. I mean it's that that movie's dark, man. Not just in how it looks, but in the storyline and the themes. That's a that's a dark film. So they they chose to to lighten it up a bit here, and then I, I don't know. 
I guess they did all of the cocaine well, they, before they, 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 they made the last one. Like, you know, they they did Superman three here. <laughs> yeah, right. This is super. This is Batman Superman yeah. three. Mm. Right. Yeah, with I mean, slightly fun, higher funny. production values. With Absolutely slightly higher right. production values. Yeah. 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 So I'll, I'm going to hit you with some trivia here, Harry. This film was released on June 22nd, 1995. Had uh, an opening weekend gross of $52.7 million, which a uh, very respectable take, especially for the mid-90s. Uh, its domestic gross total was $184 million, uh, and internationally $152. So it grossed $336.5 million approximately worldwide, production budget of $100 million. So it was considered a pretty big success. Yep. Uh, if, if a superhero movie made $336.5 million today, that they would just dynamite the entire studio and drown the director <laughs> probably like you couldn't you couldn't that would be a, an absolute failure which uh, so it's uh, interesting to see i mean obviously it's over 20 years ago but it is interesting to see how things uh, how things can change and again uh, part of why i i wanted to talk about batman forever is it is a large spectacle summer blockbuster but this is before superhero movies went insane and you know, we get one superhero movie every couple of years whereas now we get we're gonna have a minimum of four superhero movies a year and up to six or seven per year it's it's bananas now so you know i thought it'd be interesting to kind of go back and and take a look at what things were like uh, before the madness. So this movie stars Val Kilmer, obviously, as as Batman, Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, Jim Carrey plays the Riddler, Nicole Kidman as Dr. Meridian, and reprising their roles from Batman and Batman Returns, uh, Pat Hingle and Michael Goff. Uh, Michael Goff is a, a an interesting fellow. He is the definition of a working actor. This guy has almost 200 screen credits to his name not counting any stage plays that uh, and, and he did a lot of those as well this guy has been in absolutely everything tv shows and films uh, british actor obviously so uh, mostly across the pond you know his career stretches back to the mid 40s all the way up to right before his death in 2011, uh, a character in Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland in 2010. This guy, again, and absolutely everything. I would say a great anchor for these films. He's a rock as Alfred. What, I mean, I just got to ask you, I know usually we don't kind of go back and forth in the trivia. What's what's your take on on his on his Alfred? Uh, it's, it's okay. Aside from the original Batman with Michael Keaton. I like some play there. He really didn't have a lot to offer since then. I like some of his play there and some of the jokes. How he kept on picking up stuff that Bruce Wayne was leaving behind and cleaning. Here he's just your average Joe Sir. I don't and then I think even in the next one he's just there to die. He's just a plot he's just a plot device. So or there to be di a dying old man. I mean there were some moments that he had with that Bruce, I guess, which were okay. But I mean, he, he's okay. He's not bad. He's not great. I think I prefer Michael Caine over this guy, personally. But um, it's a different movie. Yeah, it's a different movie. I, I mean, yeah, Michael Caine. I mean, shit, it's Michael Caine. You know, there, yeah. there you go. <laughs> right I mean, there. Even Jeremy Irons in Batman v Superman. Or I have versus Superman. I refuse to call it V. I don't care what the fuck they say. He, he's okay. I, I, mean, I think I prefer the other two guys, but it's a different movie, right? He just, yeah. But he, he, there's not a lot for him to do. No, there's less for him to do. Uh, I think you're right. He had, he had a little more play with Michael Keaton in the first one there for sure. A anyway, as, moving on, uh, Pat Hingle as the only other actor to oh. uh, reprise his role as Commissioner Gordon. Oh, uh, speaking of nothing to do. That, well, he had nothing to do in any of them, and he's the, one of the worst interpretations of Commissioner Gordon you mm. could ever 
dream of putting yeah. together. I don't. Nobody had the under, an understanding of who Commissioner Gordon really was. I don't understand how he got cast in the role, even in Batman '89. Yeah, you know, I, I don't get. I, it. I completely agree. Yeah, a total, totally. I, I, mean, I don't want to say miscast because I'm sure he's a fine actor. I've seen him in other things. He's perfectly serviceable. But you're right. A, a total bungling of of this character. I don't know what they were interpreting him to be other than just a, a bumbling... He's uh, the last Crusades Marcus Brody. Yeah. Consistently. Yeah. Consistently stupid, consistently goofy, nothing to do, and an insult to the character that came before. Like yeah. in the comics, and then Marcus Brody in the Raiders of the Lost Ark was respectable peer. And in Last Crusade, he became a bumbling old. And that's yeah. who this uh, Commissioner Gordon is. He's yeah. the bumbling old Marcus Brody. Yeah, not not well served, which is a shame because that's uh, that's a good character. A couple other little tidbits. So the, the game gang leader when so when Chris O'Donnell steals the the Batmobile and goes looking for a fight the the gang which is all painted up in that weird paint and then lit with uh, black lights so they glow which doesn't seem like a great costume choice for a gang but whatever so the the gang leader who has like two lines he was played by a guy named Don the Dragon Wilson, who was a uh, time very famous kickboxing champion. This guy's badass. And I remember hearing about the casting of this guy, you know, reading some, you know, when you, like I said, you, there'd be the, the magazines and stuff that would come out. You could read about the movies and everything. So when I heard about him, I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. He's going to be, he's going to be in this movie. He's going to have some awesome fight scenes. And his ass gets handed him so hard by Chris O'Donnell in like a half a second. I, I don't know why they cast this guy in the movie. Yeah, uh, probably, so. probably because he knew somebody. So Poor poor Don the Dragon Wilson. But uh, another yeah. kind of cool tidbit. So in the poor scene. Bastard. Gives a fuck. What's that? Poor bastard. I could care yeah. less. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, he's a kickboxer, so yeah, th- doesn't mean he deserves to be in any movie. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, if if he was if if he was smart, he wouldn't have been a kickboxer, I guess. No. So the film opens with uh, opening credits, uh, which is actually qu- quite rare now. Usually, we get the tr- credit card for these movies at the uh, at the end. Then we get the scene where Batman is suiting up in the new bat suit. We see the new bat cave. We see the new Batmobile. We also see all the chest and butt and leg shots here. Yeah, we get we get the uh, we don't get the butt shot uh, here. We get the butt shot later. Oh, we get the butt shot later. Okay, but I think we get a nipple. No, we don't get a nipple yet either. Oh, okay. So he yeah. showed restraint initially. He did show restraint initially, and I see, actually, I don't want to say I was watching for Batman's nipples, but I was watching for Batman's nipples <laughs> through the entire, <laughs> through the film, because uh, a source of some controversy, I, I think that it's remembered as a more prominent feature of the suit than it actually ended up being in the, in the final product. Uh, I mean... But I don't even think it's just, I don't even think it's the focus on, focus really isn't on that. Focus is just on the flashing, flashing flashing here's my legs i think there was a crotch shot at the beginning too there is yeah right so i mean like okay you know he's turning around he's turning around he's turning around i mean what the fuck is going on here (laughs) you know yeah totally it's like out of zoolander this guy's just doing a bunch of right hand turns like it's a little yeah it's a little much it's a little goofy well you're setting the tone right off the bat yeah you're either kids are either either going to be super excited or they're going to be extremely repulsed right (laughs) yeah for sure it's it's an odd it's an odd choice i was watching i you know i was watching this with my significant other last night and you know i've seen this movie many many times it didn't really phase me and she watched it and she started mimicking his turns like to the camera and stuff i'm like what are you doing she's like well he keeps every time he like puts his glove on he's got to turn he's got to turn this way he's got to turn that way it's 
it's a little over dramatic. I mean, I guess they need some visual interest uh, to show him suiting up, but it is a little bit. It is a little bit goofy. I, they just needed to play that one song, playing with the boys from Top Gun. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was trying to replicate. See, I think that he was probably playing it in the background during while they were filming this, right? Probably was. Yeah, he put it on for Val's sake. Just okay, <laughs> get dressed, Val, and we're gonna play this awesome '80s music from your past. <laughs> directorial choice uh we get the famous uh joke here where batman says he's going to get drive through and then he he roars off in the new batmobile so just gonna stop there as you said we have the tone sort of set in a strange way with uh, him suiting up and then you get the, you get the joke and yeah I, I don't know about you it, it's pretty cringeworthy already yeah, yeah it's a cringeworthy joke and yet for some reason i still love it uh, but it depends yeah it depends on what you're going for so i am trying to be critical from what i see in batman return yeah and it's just a shocking yeah it's a pretty big departure and i think you're absolutely correct in saying that i, I like a bit of addition of, of humor and I, I mean i'll get into that a little bit what i definitely dislike is the design of this new batmobile i mean it, it looks like hr giger's version of the batmobile on like like he drew it on a sunday morning after a huge saturday night bender like he just didn't give a shit it was lazy and then sh- shat this piece of garbage out he's got I, a great bar in um jesus uh what's that place called i've been to his hometown in switzerland oh really i can't, I can't recall and there's a the geiger bar is there right next to his house yeah. and inside it's like the best bar i've ever been to you know if i could be to any bar it'd be Moss Isley's uh, Cantina I'd develop by myself I'll call it Isley but next to that this is the bar you want to go to is it as terrifying and like source of uh, confusing boners as I think it should be or or what you're, you're sitting it's all alien inside right so the whole thing is like you're on a set in alien right But and you're sitting on chairs and things are going up your ass and it's a little strange <laughs> you say a little strange <laughs> <laughs> I'll I haven't been anally that. penetrated at a bar in at least 10 years, man. I mean, I'd say it's more than a little strange. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But the beer is good. <laughs> <laughs> it better be, man. Fuck. Uh, that, that dude is, uh, anyway, he didn't actually design this Batmobile, but it definitely, I don't I don't know. I don't I, like the some Batmobile. Some guys' uh, asses were penetrated with this Batmobile. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to come back after that. So, the, so Batman roars off into the night, we, we, and now we get our first look at Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. He's sort of... Uh, I don't know, soliloquizing over uh, this security guard. I just want to stop here again. What did you think of the reveal here of of Two-Face? How's Tommy Lee Jones doing? And and this this opening dialogue, just this opening impression. What do you think? Not impressed. (laughs) I mean, like, He's, he's hamming it up. He's having a good time with it. But it's it's all it's too he's too out there all the time. And it'd be fine if this was the original reveal and he had other aspects to the character, which is supposed to be Two Face. Yeah. But uh, and I know he flips the coin often in the movie, but it really doesn't make a difference. No. There he's just playing Two Face on roids from the first scene all the way to the end. Yeah. See that? Uh, he's see spazzing that? out, right? So it's just he's just spazzing out. And it's well, surprising he's... that Tommy Lee Jones chose or was has probably got the direction from Schumacher to do this or maybe. Maybe he's saying, I'm just here to have fun. And he just went for it. It's like Eisenberg went for his Luther and it didn't work. Yeah. There's no see, nuance to any of it, right? See, I thought the opening scene, I, I agree with you, except for this opening scene. I thought he had a little bit, he was a little more restrained in this, just this opening. I, I mean, I'm just talking about when he's talking to the guard. Mm-hmm. I thought he showed a little bit more restraint. This was the Two-Face that I wanted to see for the rest of the movie. And then he, and, and after this scene, it's all ridiculous. He's... But you know what? The guard kind of got me out of it. He was terrible. He oh was terrible. Oh my God! 
wouldn't stop. I just yeah. eat all oh, this high pitched whiny voice, yeah. and he wouldn't stop. And no, you're right. Yeah, he oh, was. He, God, he the, this guy out. was terrible. So yeah. my focus was on that. So if there was any nuance to Tommy Lee Jones in the first scene as Two Face, completely lost because the guard just ruined everything. Yeah. Uh, so Batman, uh, Batman arrives on the scene here. He for some reason needs to leap down to the street, even though the bad guys are on like the 100th floor of this uh, giant skyscraper. Talking with Commissioner Gordon, and there's Nicole Kidman as Doctor Chase Meridian, and she is from the get-go. I don't like to be crude, but she is soaking wet right from right from the word go. And um, yeah, she might have been there already with Gordon. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably a good-looking guy once. once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. She is ready to roll and does not. She, she does not care who knows it. She's she's out there. I kind of liked. I kind of like how Val Kilmer played these scenes where he keeps just sort of trying to blow her off. I mean, he doesn't have time for this stuff, and she just keeps coming. She keeps coming. She keeps coming. I, I did uh, like some of the interplay between like Kilmer's Batman and her, where he's kind of like kind of doing a couple of double takes because he's like, yeah. "Oh my God, she is." Yeah. <laughs> God, I could. <laughs> Well, I, I know it's, it's like, like, you can almost see like how confused he is. It's like, it's yeah, that like from, the double it's take. That, like it's that line from Commando. You mean you could smell them coming? I did. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the uh, so the zippy uh, zippy dialogue comes to an end. Batman gets back to work. Heads up to I I don't know. I've been to a couple big cities. I don't know a lot of places that have the bank on the top floor of skyscrapers. <laughs> Uh, those vaults are big. They don't. They don't. Uh, they're better on the ground floor. Uh, so he gets up there, beats up some dudes, and uh, springs the trap. He jumps into the safe there, and I. This is part of. We, we talked a little bit about camera angles being tilted mm-hmm. at like twenty degrees or thirty degrees. I can't quite even now after seeing this movie a million times. The spatial organization of this vault sort of on is it on the floor is it on a wall that's not the focus. it doesn't make any sense it gets pulled out by a helicopter which i don't know if that's even possible that helicopter would crash but that's okay. it sh- definitely should have crashed and then and two-face here's what's so two-face talks about releasing all his money out into the street but he starts to flood the safe with boiling not just acid harry boiling acid because acid at room temperature isn't isn't gonna isn't gonna cut mustard here. It's gotta be boiling. Well, maybe that vault was lined with something. I don't know. Well, I, well, well, maybe so. I mean, they, they, it must have taken a lot of work to put acid in all of those safety deposit boxes individually and have them time to spew out uh, the acid. But uh, Batman saves the day, gets out, rescues the guard, even manages to get the safe right back in the exact position that it left, climbs the chain. Yeah, that uh, was a bit ridiculous, wasn't it? That he got it actually back in the exact position. Yeah, I would say a bit ridiculous is pretty generous. It yes. it was it was supremely ridiculous. I, will, uh, I, that, I do want to say one thing before we move on is yeah. one thing that did impress me. It's a small nugget is that I liked a couple of the fight scenes here. Whether it was Kilmer or a stuntman, I felt here Batman was a bit more fluid in his fight scenes in comparison to what was filmed in the previous two films with Michael mm-hmm. Keaton and that might just be Schumacher versus Burton or maybe they were able to loosen up the suit and do a couple of different things so the actor can or the stuntman can move a little bit more you know dynamically yeah. because I, I like the way he moved in some of his fight scenes yeah I, I agree I think I think you're right there's probably some technology 
advancements here. Michael Keaton always seemed like he was really stiff inside the suit. Well, he probably was, though that thing probably couldn't move. Yeah, exactly. It probably couldn't move. So this one... But I kind of probably... like that because he's kind of creepy that way. You know what? I always... It, it gave him a certain personality, uh, a certain presence when he moved, when he walked. It was very... I don't know what the word is. It was unique. It was very unique to the role, right? So you kind of... You start to identify how he moved, how he looked with the character, right? So I, I liked it as well. More of a boogeyman. Yeah, totally. You know, that's a good that's a good comparison there with, for that character. They they made many different models of the suit for Batman Forever for the different situations, so they could you know fa- you know have some more fluid fight scenes. So I, I and I liked you know it's nice in the in this pre CG heavy pre wire work area that a lot of the fight scenes. While they're not spectacular, they are like they're practical. They're they're done. They're done fairly well. Yeah, I thought he moved good too. I actually one thing I really liked about the suit is how the cape uh, flows really well. Yeah, because that's that's a real cape. Like now they CG capes. You know, like Superman, Batman. Those capes are all just added in post for the most part. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I like. I just felt that they played that scene over and over again with him kind of swooping down, holding onto nothing. Mm-hmm. This is like 60s Spider-Man swinging across the ocean kind of situation <laughs> yeah, totally. here. So I don't really know how he's coming down here, but he's, he's coming down and but I do like the cape movement. They just did it. I think they did it too many times in the movie. Kind of lost its yeah. uniqueness after yeah. the first two times. I think yeah. they did it like five, six times. It's like, oh. Yeah, they did it a bunch of times and you're right. Yeah, it, it, it starts to wear out its welcome a little bit. The, yeah, so the fight, I kind of like the the action around the helicopter. It's sort of an interesting set piece because there's not a lot of room. It's it's It feels very claustrophobic here. Anyway, so Batman manages to kind of take over the helicopter, but uh, Two-Face leaps out with his parachute, heads out, and, and he's gone. Batman manages to escape the helicopter before it crashes into uh, Gotham City's low-rent version of the Statue of Liberty. Which is strange because uh, then they do mention that Metropolis exists mm. in this universe and Met- Metropolis has a Statue of Liberty for itself as well in the super in the Chris Reeve Superman. Movie. Yeah, and I, I wanted to, I was actually, I was going to bring that up, but we can, we can talk about it in the new DC universe now. So, you know, among the Man of Steel, Batman v Superman movies, you know, Metropolis is sort of an analog for Manhattan, for New York City, uh, and then Gotham City's right across the river, uh, which would be New Jersey. That's right in the real. It's <laughs> about right. <laughs> but but the Statue of Liberty's right in the harbor between the two. So geographically, this should be Metropolis's Statue of Liberty that he crashes into. But, but it does it, say Gotham. Yeah, I was gonna say it says it. Gotham's yeah. Statue of Liberty or something. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know what? And, 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 and you know, in the comic books, uh, you know, I know you're you've read the books as well, going back. Uh, you know, many decades. Gotham often has one of these statues, and as does Metropolis, and both cities really are analogs for for New York City. I mean, Metropolis is sort of the light, hopeful side of of New York City, and Gotham City represents like the flip side, right? The underside, the darkness, and the seediness. So they're both the same place uh, of the real world. They're just, you know, representing different aspects of it. And, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm all right with it. It's yeah, okay. I mean, that's fine. It's a, it's they never really point. thought it through, right? So Minor point. Yeah, minor point, exactly. We get a shitty CG flyby of, of Gotham City. But I and hated it, this scene. So here, this yeah. is where it's kind of like Burton, but slightly different. This is the one aspect I really hated, and 
they just went to the next level in Batman and Robin. Yeah. There's these weird constant camera movements across these models, but it didn't even feel like models here. It felt like CG. Well, this it is CG, poor, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, it was poorly done. Poorly rendered. Yeah, very poorly rendered. I agree. It, it, and it is, you know, they take the Art Deco extreme of the Burton films and and really, uh, they, they turn it up to 11. And it, and it you know, they're, they're trying to create the scene, but it's too much, mm-hmm. I, I think. It's not, it's not... No, well, it's we, too much in Batman and yeah, Robin. It's too much. Well, it's too much in Batman and Robin when here. Part of the problem here is that it's shitty CG at this point. Like yeah, it's, it's not very good CG. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I can give them a break on that. I mean, it's 1995. They haven't, we haven't really hit the the you know the photorealism that is is possible mostly today. Uh, but inside uh, Wayne Enterprises, we get uh, Bruce Wayne touring the facilities, and we meet Edward Nigma. Our first look at Jim Carrey. You know, right off the bat, he's he's Jim Carrey. His face is made of silly putty. He's over the top, and he reveals to Bruce his uh, one. He reveals to Bruce his. Uh, very unhealthy obsession with him and also this invention that he's uh, devised the the box which can beam TV signals into the brain. What's your initial impression of Jim Carrey here as Edward Nigma? Uh, I hate to say it, but I've never really been a big Jim Carrey fan. I think I like a couple of things he's done on the comedic side, like a couple of movies, but and I liked a couple of moments with him here too. I, I, you know, it's, an, it's not an inspired choice for the Riddler, but probably an appropriate one at the time mm. if they're going like loud, this loud with the Riddler. You know, I would have preferred someone a bit more subdued, but comedic. Yeah. I mean, like, you're going to go Jim Carrey, you're going to go Robin Williams. Yeah. If, if you're a casting director or a big studio in the 90s, those are your two picks when you think of the Riddler. Right? Yeah. Either really don't fit who the character really is. Yeah. You're going with someone loud and brash. Jim Carrey does have a good few moments, but I didn't really like him in these few scenes. The initial scenes, he was just way over the top. But you're not really supposed to take it seriously because you're saying, okay, how is this guy hired? How does he maintain employment? Yeah. He's kind of like, you know, obviously he's so out there. Why is he even there so to begin with he would have been fired after a week or after a day you you've put those things aside because this is just a superhero movie meant for kids i could see how kids would really la- latch on and like this character so i don't but i think it's appropriate for a family-friendly riddler who's supposed to make kids laugh yeah. so if they succeeded in that department because i'm sure he was a hoot with the kids but i'm not really enjoying it. no i i'm not enjoying it either he to go back to your superman 3 analogy he comes across it in a similar way to richard Pryor. he's not that character he's He's not the Riddler. He's Jim Carrey. In the same way that like Richard Pryor was just Richard Pryor in in Superman three. I I wish and and because Jim Carrey is capable of restraint, and it's not like he they asked him to restrain himself. They were just like Jim, go yeah. go go get him. Like do it, just do it. And he did. So you know, I certainly don't fault him. But it's a shame that they couldn't dial him in a little bit because I think that would have been even in the context of this film, even in the tone of this film, if they had brought him in a little bit, I think it could have been better. Oh, yeah, it would have been a different Riddler, but it would have been a different movie. It would have been a different movie, but I think it would have worked uh, much better. Uh, I actually really enjoy, so this is our first look, really, at Val Kilmer as Bruce Wayne. And, you know, given what Jim Carrey is doing here, I really enjoyed how Val Kilmer played off of Jim Carrey here. You can see he's slightly annoyed, but he's being a good, he's like, he's being a good boss, like, I'll hear you out, uh, but he's still, you know, pretty tough. Uh, I, uh, I I don't know, I mean, it's a small, small... Yeah. I, I agree with you. I like you know the funny thing is is I I don't think that Val Kilmer is a good Bruce Wayne, but he's decent. Mm-hmm. You know he was pretty monotone. I felt through the entire thing, and you could you, you obviously they were playing with subject matter later on where he still can't let go of his parents. You know the thought, the, the psychosis, what drove him to be Batman, and that relationship he was having with Chase yeah. uh, Meridian. I like the concept of those scenes, and I like some of the imagery 
with the flying bat and, and those things. But, and I liked him here. I mean, he was just, you know, he's just playing off. He was very restrained. I still need a Bruce Wayne that has more layers. And I don't know if any one particular actor who's played Bruce Wayne yet has done that. Maybe Kevin Conroy in the animated series, but because mm-hmm. he's had so much opportunity to flesh that out, he's probably accomplished that be- just because of the amount of work that's gone, that he's had in the chance to do. But I still think I prefer Keaton. There's elements there of Keaton that it just, that Bruce Wayne is really potentially crazy and it makes sense yeah yeah Yeah. he just plays just kind of like a somber troubled guy he's pretty monotone through the whole movie but i did enjoy these first scenes i thought he played it well yeah you're right he does he does play pretty flat and and i i mean i don't think that there's a potential for him to be crazy he's definitely mentally ill and and they played that up more with michael keaton it's funny you bring up the animated series with kevin conroy he uh, and obviously had a lot of hours to work with that character both in the animated series and in many other uh, animated projects since uh, and it's the it, it's a concept that we haven't we haven't really seen in the we saw it a little bit in Batman v Superman but not in any of the other films. We talked a bit about it with Superman, where there is actually three different alter egos. There's Batman. There's the public persona of Bruce Wayne, the the billionaire playboy, mm. and then there's you know Bruce Wayne, who's who's basically. Broken. Uh, it was, well, sort of both, but like Batman without his mask or, or Bruce Wayne without his mask. No, He's no, the Bruce, guy. Yeah, Bruce Wayne of uh, the broken yeah. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that's right. And it's the same with Superman. Like there's the bumbling Clark Kent, there's Superman, and then there's, you know, Clark Kent when he goes home to visit his mom, right? Which we talked about when we did the Superman episode. Sort of the three alter egos, that's done on the animated series actually very well because oh, they, yeah. they play up the, the billionaire playboy well why don't we just lay it out here that the animated series version of batman is probably the best batman we've ever seen in any well, medium it, yeah as far like a live action medium i mean not on obviously in the con yeah, I mean, not live well, action but you know what i mean like work of movement <laughs> yeah yeah uh, motion motion <laughs> m- moving moving pictures version yes uh, the animated series it's it's certainly the most accurate of uh of i mean there's so many versions of the character it's hard to say right I mean, we can go down that rabbit hole again. I think we, we kind of explored some of that in Superman. So Bruce sees the bat signal again out through the window, excuses himself from this awkward interchange with Dima uh, and, and tells him, you know, he can't have any money for the human trials. He's got to go. He leaves, uh, zips to the bat cave in his in this weird nomadic tube or whatever he's got, suits up again, heads out to the bat signal, and there's Dr. Meridian in less than professional dress. And she's just called him there basically to say some bullshit about something she noticed about him with his coin. And they had some banter here. So she's obviously using this as a pretext to uh, come on to him again. Oh, yeah. And uh, case, this is my weak arm. <laughs> Remember what I said I would kill you last. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> no, but okay, but yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the fact that someone has access to this aside from Gordon or the police, I mean, yeah. she's just a psychologist. It's just hokey and corny. Here, I mean, her character, I, you know, I don't know if you want to get into talking about Chase Meridian now. Yeah, well, let's talk about her now. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Let's not talk about her now. We'll talk about her after the scene, her first scene with Bruce Wayne. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's when we'll talk about her. This, oh, this scene here, we're on the rooftops with the bat signal. Ridiculous. Well, that yeah, the bat signal is ridiculous. I, I I like. I think they have some chemistry. I know. I mean, I hate it too because it doesn't fit. I love his joke about the car. It makes me laugh every time. And it's not because of the line. It's because of the look on his fucking face. He's just like, ah, oh, fuck. Not 
this shit again. <laughs> I absolutely love how he plays that. It doesn't fit. It's not Batman. There's something about it uh, that that works for me. It's almost like seeing for a moment Batman's like his guards down. He's just he's broken for a sec. He's not. He doesn't have his. It's like the mask came off for just a second. It's like ah. Oh, but you know what though, if the car. You, you, but you know what though, if I, I'm in I'm in this Batman shoes and I see this hottie there, uh, I would be completely out of character and distracted. Yeah. So. Well, I, I really don't blame him. <laughs> but that's why I think it kind of fits. Like I th- actually think this scene works because she is she is breaking, you know, she is uh finding the chinks in his armor. She is breaking him down and he's he's managing to resist. He's like, you know, shit, like this isn't a game. Like I'm, you know, this is what I do. I'm 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 badass. I'm a superhero and But the thing is though, so let's talk about this. This is I love it. And I, I love the I car. I, I know everybody hates it, but I I love the line. I think I think that what was that the line Bell, again? Yeah, well, because she she coming on and he's like, it's the car, right? Chicks love the car. And I love how he delivers the line because he's just so unimpressed with his situation right there. I, I love the delivery. I love and, how they, yeah, Schumacher and company kind of pretty much replicated the line again in it, Batman and Robin. Yeah, except it's Chris O'Donnell and he totally flubs it because he, he flubs the delivery in Batman and Robin. He's I, like, I, I, I want response. a car. Like, I want a car. Chicks dig the car. Like, shut did, up, you fucking brat. No, I did like Clooney's response. That's the one line I like of Clooney. What was Clooney's response? This is why Superman works alone as he's bobbing his head about 10 times. Uh, yeah. Well, did he bob his head because he was still in a pretty stiff costume? Oh, no. he was. Bobby. This is why Superman works alone. Poor George, man. I feel bad for the guy. I, I don't, he carved a career out for himself. It wasn't I, his fault. I don't. He is a bum. If there is a definition of a Hollywood bum, it is George Clooney. I don't care what he's been. He's a bum. Is he a bum because of Batman and Robin? No, or? he is a glorified bum. That guy, along with J.J. Abrams, needs to get worse. All right. <laughs> well, we can... We can Together. We can, if, we can discuss... <laughs> we can dissect that later. I... I like George Clooney, uh, but anyway. Guy needs to get work. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> he would, you could try to work him. He would just, he would just cool you to death. Dude, that guy couldn't. He would even just give him. you that look and you'd be done. You'd Dude, be down. that guy couldn't even handle it. And I'm, that, that's being realistic. <laughs> he couldn't handle me. I could take him. <laughs> that's how much of a bum he is. <laughs> Oh, you didn't like George. you don't like Ocean's Eleven? I didn't like any of those movies, man. I've seen them well, once. I, no, I didn't say the other. I just said Ocean's Eleven. I didn't say twelve or thirteen. I just said Ocean's Eleven. Oh, whatever, man. <laughs> terrible, terrible all around. But let's let's move on. We're, we're <laughs> shit, man. I don't even. Oh yeah, we're we're on the uh, we're on the roof. Okay, Ocean's Eleven. So my God, so uh, my God, man. How can you be deaf with ears like that? Like seriously. What? <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. All move right. on. Cut back to Wayne Enterprises. Nigma's pulling some late hours. He's stewing over Bruce's rejection of the project. And uh, the supervisor is, he's losing his mind on him here. Sort of the comical boss, which, you know, is fine. Back to Edward pulling the uh, the late hours at Wayne Enterprises. Stickley is not happy. He's, uh, you know, he's terminating the project and uh, Edward's not having any clocks him over the head there. And then the guy wakes up. He's strapped to the chair. Edward's put the uh, weird blender with wings on his head uh, to test it out. And then we get uh, some, so the guy that's transported into the television there, he's having the, the, the VR experience and he's totally digging it. It's like that. It's like the game from Star Trek the next generation like he, the guy is having an orgasm every time the dude on screen catches a fish and for some reason Edward's also hooked up to the machine and he's sucking all the brain power and if you can kind of like strip away the Jim Carreyness of this here you can you get that he's uh, absorbing the mental power and uh, and so this is a discovery he did not 
he did not expect. So he knows that he can use this machine to suck the power, the, the mental power of his victims. And then he basically kicks this dude out the window and uh, and down he goes. So And then at this point here, he uh, uh, head, heads back to his apartment and puts together his first, his first uh, riddle. Uh, we also get around here is one of the many dream sequences that Bruce has through the movie. Uh, we see images of Bruce as a young boy, the, the two coffins in the uh, in the parlor, and this red book uh, that you know, obviously seems to be an important image. What did you think of the introduction of the dream uh, sequences here? The, the machine that um, yeah. Enigma concocted. I mean, you're not supposed to put a lot of thought into it, so fine, whatever. The scene was, again, way overplayed by Jim Carrey, so yeah, I'm kind of, the scenes are kind of losing it for me. I'm you know, not that interested because I'm not buying into what Jim is selling here. You know, it was all ridiculous, but I mean, it's again, kids, superhero movies, so you're not supposed to think about the science behind it. This does what it does because it's supposed to do what it does, yeah. to, just to move the movie along, so fine, I can let that go. That's just a movie trope. The, uh, the dream sequence, okay, nothing to write home about. Interesting about the book, I think that's the one little nugget, like, why, why focus on the red book, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's the significance of the book? So that was kind of interesting. Aside from that, I mean, the images weren't well filmed. There was nothing special to see. I'm not sure if this is where we get the first image of the flying bat coming at the screen, which I did like. Yeah. I think that might be later, but... Yeah, um, I think that's later, but yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a that's a cool image, the bat flying, mm-hmm. like, directly into the into the lens. That's that's pretty cool. And because you don't really see it, so I just want to mention you don't really see it so it's kind of creepy you just kind of see an outline of it and you always think it's gonna it's faithful form and full face is going to appear but it never does and i love that i think it it it, that's actually quite creepy oh i agree yeah it's it's kind of like the alien you know it's scarier when you don't when you don't see the monster yeah Yeah. so i i love that aspect yeah yeah uh yeah going back to jim carrey uh, way overplays that scene speaking of cringeworthy this is a hard just a really hard scene for me to watch because he just overdoes it way too much it's not you know i'm not watching batman a batman movie anymore i'm watching jim carrey do his his thing and uh yeah it's uh but just like uh, jar jar binks i mean i'm sure the kids are loving it you know? yeah yeah you're yeah and you're probably right yeah it, it's, it's played the for the kids kind of, yeah it's played for the kids right yeah. yeah so it's just like okay go I'm here to get the kids to buy Riddler toys because you're so out there and zany. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of overacting, so we go back to Wayne Enterprises. The police are here investigating the death of of what's his name. I mean, why didn't the cops arrest Edward Nigma right here for so clearly being a fucking suspect? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's so overacting here. With he's the got sob the suicide thing. note too. Oh, here's yeah. the suicide note. Oh, you'll find it matches his sentence structure and spelling exactly. <laughs> and you know what's <laughs> you know what's hilarious is we actually get a look at the suicide note later, and it just says uh, something stupid like "Time to uh, go now." Bye. De- you know, dear world, uh, had enough. Bye. Like. <laughs> Okay, okay, come on. But, but because I think the video shows, he, he messed around with the video magically to show him do all that and jump out. They yeah. probably didn't think twice about it. So I let that go. Yeah, I let, I let it go as well. It's obviously ridiculous. Yeah. But. Anyway, so, and uh, Bruce finds the first uh, the first riddle, which 
is you know the the clock riddle okay uh i don't know what but this is I, this is where i'm starting because i forget some of the movie i think i kind of remembered some of the end of the movie very like very some images but i have only seen this a few times this is where i was starting to pique my interest okay this is now what i want to see yeah i want to see riddles i want to see the detective aspect of batman to try and solve some of the stuff will it turn out interesting i actually kind of started you know back with straightening my interest was peaking it was like okay Okay, now this is gonna get better. It's gotta yeah. get better. <laughs> it has to. It has to. Damn it. So the, I did like the introduction of the riddles. Like finally something for the adults. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I like the fact that they actually did introduce riddles because I think if they put the Riddler in today, they, there wouldn't be any riddles. You know, they you don't think just... so? In a, in a movie like today? Yeah. If they did it today, like in today's tone, I, it, it would. I don't know. I just think, I don't think there'd be. I don't think there'd be any fucking riddles. Oh, I completely disagree. You think you, you don't oh, think so? I mean, no, I think so. I think it would be well well handled, and this is a, a villain I'd love to see. I would no, I would love to see this villain handled properly. In fact, I wouldn't even mind seeing Jim Carrey take a crack at, at it again. To be honest with you, in oh, a that's serious interesting. Tone. That's interesting. As a ser- in a serious tone, no. And I wouldn't you wouldn't be able to shake these images that you see here. Of him. But it would be interesting in that alternate universe we keep talking about. I think now with a good director and a good story, he, he would pull, he would he could do the he could do the job. I think so. Well, I I mean I'm I'm intrigued. It never it never occurred to me to think of that. But uh, yeah, I, with the, well with a good director, I, I think Jim Carrey could pull it off. I mean the guy has demonstrated he can act. So yeah, that's interesting. That'd be uh, we need to open that dimensional portal one of these days, man, just to see what's going on over there. It's, they got some good movies over in that alternate. <laughs> <universe>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the alternate universe, though, where uh, Val Kilmer and Christopher Reeve are in Batman v Superman in 1995. That's what. What is it? It was uh, Christopher Reeve and Michael Keaton. What's going on, man? Well, no, I I just think it'd be more fun to see Val Kilmer as it is because it'd be fucking ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 dude! Val Kilmer and Nicolas Cage in Batman v Superman. No, I want I want the Cage included. The two C's. I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh my God! Could you imagine? Holy oh, shit! I just want Cage in everything. Stars in everything. Yeah, I want to. I want a movie without Cage. I want to see Nicolas Cage in the new Star Trek TV show. Are you kidding me? I want a minute. Yeah, and all of it. Everything. Everything Cage. The more Cage, the better. Trust me. Life. Life would be better. We would be at peace. Well, I'll tell you, the world would forget about its problems. <laughs> it would. Nicolas Cage can save the world. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did in 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 that one movie that he did, which was a <laughs> piece of shit. He he had a he had he had a worse toupee than Shatner's. <laughs> Oh, I love the cage, man. You don't say it. That guy's awesome. (laughs) He's... He's something. So we get the riddle, uh, and then for for whatever reason, uh, as we uh, you know as we get through, he decides to consult uh, with uh, with Doctor Meridian. Shows up at City Hall, probably one of the very few actual location shots in any of the Batman films on a on a street, uh, and then in that uh, you know that old sort of marble and columns uh, lobby there of the City Hall of Gotham. He hears sounds, so he busts the door down, and she's uh, just uh, added up the punching bag, and there interaction is decidedly not the same as Batman's interaction with her. She's definitely a little more standoffish. She's colder, but more normal. She's a human being. Yeah. Well, you, well, you would be standoffish to a guy who just beat down your door. Yeah, totally, totally. You're so, totally you totally know, yeah. so, so it's fine. And, yeah. you know, I mean, she's got the hots for Batman. So yeah. that's okay. She's got, yeah, compare, I guess. Well, so, no, I mean, it's just, it's just some, it's just some rich dude who kicked my door down. Like I was yeah. working out. Like, why don't you wait till your fucking appointment starts, asshole? 
Yeah, Shit. exactly. Uh, so, I mean, I, I like I liked these scenes, and actually, I liked their interplay here. Yeah, you know, I do though, too because yeah. he's he's kind of I, I get the impression how Kilmer's playing it here, like he kind of wants to get the Woody Banner going again, and she's just like, you know, like whatever, man. Like, are we gonna get on with the appointment or or what? You know. <laughs> uh, so I think that this is this this is interesting now because we see this is the first time we really see her as you know she would normally would be when she isn't completely enamored with with Batman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I liked I liked where this is going, and this is the first the first step. Yeah. So the few aspects of the movie that I really did enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where I was going to hold our talk to about her character to this scene because now we've seen who she is normally when she isn't throwing herself at Batman. So here is kind of my take here when I when I examine this. So she's we've examined she's a psychiatrist. She specializes in multiple personalities. We have Batman and the. The documented duality of Batman and Bruce Wayne. He's two people. He's struggling with his two identities. But she's totally two different people as well. She is sex bot when she's around Batman. And it's almost like she's out of control. She can't she can't manage herself when she's in Batman's presence. And then she's her in her in this scene here, her normal self, her, you know, professional psychiatrist self, she's giving a professional opinion. And I thought that was very interesting to play that duality as well. I thought and I thought she did a pretty good job. What What was your take on, on her character now that we've seen both sides of her? The more we get to know her, the more I like her as a character. But I still think all of the potential for these scenes are kind of ruined because he was really, in my opinion, starting to really become infatuated with her with sex bot. Mm. I, I think if he kind of like brushed her off as Batman and then came back and found out, okay, there's more to her than meets the eye, then you get maybe even both Batman and him kind of, because he kind of tests her later a little bit too. Yeah. So I think all of this stuff would have played a lot stronger if he wasn't already infatuated with her before because they played all that for humans previously mm-hmm. now, did, yeah. we're, now we're getting into some more nuance and it doesn't work as strong because they fucked up the earlier portions of the movie of this relationship mm-hmm. that's my mm-hmm. opinion okay yeah so you think that like because of how i don't know because it, it was too goofy before this doesn't work as well for you yeah i think you know you could have i hate that rooftop sequence from before where she's in lace and all that stuff i think if yeah. you just had maybe the first introduction where she was even just kind of slightly being obviously attracted to him but he wanted nothing to do with it he's just this is the job you're nothing to me because I'm Batman and nothing means more yeah. then now you're and, and you're not my type now I'm seeing you're more than more here that I like and I can understand that he likes a, a person like that then I'm more interested in it it's more believable here it's mm. already it's just like okay well what happened to sex bot we're sex bot okay I want yeah. sex bot right yeah, yeah. so yeah that's this is my take on yeah it. no that's a uh, yeah, good point so he uh, invites her to of all things charity circus which i guess is a thing that happens somewhere and we but i like uh, the we, fact that she goes out on a date with him after immediately breaking down the door <laughs> yeah, exactly well he is rich well, yeah so i guess yeah not a good not a good uh, message for for young women but when whatever. you're rich and you're a good looking guy you're getting dates <laughs> Yes, yeah, you're, you're getting I, dates. I, I, you know, I'm I'm not disputing the fact. You know, if I was a woman, even if I if I'm strong, independent woman, and like a rich dude who's good looking, ask me out on a date, I'm gonna I'll take a flyer on the guy. Like, why not? What's what do you got to lose? Okay, you know, okay. She could yeah. obviously she thinks she's like, well, if he's if he's a douche, I'll I'll just punch him in the face. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I, I'd take a flyer on him for no no question. Like okay. sure. So they head to the but I mean, mind you, he's like, let's you know, grab a cup of coffee. If he says like, hey, let's go to the circus, I might be like. Mm-hmm. The circus? 
It's a little weird, but it's Gotham City, so I don't know. It's a thing. As, as so they're going to the circus here. They're going to the circus oh, okay. here. I mean, as to, to pull to to break the timeline, uh, as as uh, Batfleck said, you know, we have a problem with freaks dressed like clowns. I think they should have learned the circus is not the place to go. But head to the circus. They got a little more banter. He's uh, he's trying to set up. He's already trying to set up his second date at the start of the first date, which you know I got to give him a little fist bump for. You know, he's a smart guy, and she's like, yeah, you know what, um. I've met somebody else and, you know, he tries to play cool, but, but whatever. We get the trapeze act with the flying Graysons. Uh, another little a bit of trivia here. Traditionally, the flying Graysons is just mom and dad and Dick. Uh, this here, they had the addition of Dick's older brother. Uh, I'm not sure. And maybe that just makes more sense with the trapeze act or, or whatever. Uh, so we see their act. We can see obviously that all of the Graysons, including Dick Grayson, very gifted acrobats and athletes. And uh, Two-Face and his goons show up on the scene. He wants to know who Batman is. I thought this was a bit of a stretch. He's like, well, somebody here has got to know who Batman is, well, I think for he says sure. Somebody in the circus is definitely Batman. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah, uh, yeah it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, just, well, he's stupid anyways. He's just going to kill people, so whatever. Yeah, and you know what? I think I would have been happier with it if he just showed up and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to kill everybody here. I think that would have been more fun. But, you know, as, as it goes, They've got that what that bomb like what is that a depth charge from World War Two or <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know where he, I don't know even how he lugs that in yeah how did they get that in there they need a crane to get that thing in there it's huge yeah yeah it's it I hate it all yeah this I mean, is this is pretty stupid you know, know the Graysons... every time Two Fate really appears I am not enjoying myself at all I I me neither man I totally agree and I'm so disappointed because I really like Tommy Lee Jones you know I'm not saying he's like the most fantastic actor but I've always liked him in everything he's in I'm still pissed it wasn't Billy D Williams but that's just me yeah well you know okay so to throw in some more trivia originally when Billy D Williams was cast in 1989 Batman uh, it was with the understanding that it, that character would eventually become Two Face, yep. and it was in his contract that that was that he was that was his role, and so he would be back when they did that. It it was I think it was in early drafts of Batman Returns that he would uh, make the transformation, but it was written out in subsequent drafts, uh, and Warner Brothers had to pay out Billy D. Williams out of that portion of the contract in order to recast the role. And I, I don't know if that was whitewashing. Oh, clearly. I mean, clearly. I'm surprised they cast. No, no this clearly and they said you know what i we just want a big name well i think you know, it was a big name we just it was want a big bigger name. name and that that's it. yeah yeah i don't think it was because he was black because they cast him well, i was I actually think, surprised. i think it's a mix of both man come on it's a mix of both well it's hard to say i mean if we go back tonight i mean you, i mean it's 2016 now and there's still issues of whitewashing in hollywood which is completely bananas that it's still out there okay. so you go back you know to 1989 and they cast a traditionally white actor or white character sorry with uh, a black actor uh, and even though it wasn't uh, you know it was a it was a supporting role even less than supporting role right he didn't have a lot to do in batman although i loved him in it and that was awesome to do that was pretty progressive at the time. Mm -hmm. And it is a shame that they couldn't carry it through. But that being said, this is a very, very big budget movie. I think it was, I mean, there's probably a combination for sure, because there's not a lot of diversity in this film or any. No, there's not. I, I think they... But I do Even the believe... fucking henchmen are, aren't anything. But yeah, yeah, the henchmen probably are probably white guys, right? Or so. wearing makeup, you don't know, wearing a mask. Yeah. I think that it was probably like 90%, you know, we need a bigger name we need a we need an actor with more gravitas who can bring uh some legitimacy to the role like tommy lee jones is pretty big at this point yeah well, bigger whatever. than billy d I mean, billy billy d williams never 
was bigger than Lando Calrissian, right? And that was 15 years earlier than this. You yeah, know? no, I, I understand. It, it's okay. It's just, I'm just, all I'm saying is I'm disappointed because yeah. the funny thing is, is I think he would have done a better job even playing it this kind of wild and free with minimal direction. Yeah, hard to say. I, I, maybe I he so. would have. I, think... I, don't, I don't get anything here with with, uh, with Tommy Lee Jones. No, I don't think he's Tommy. He's shaking his head, you know, laughing, screaming. He's even going, ah, uh, I mean, like, what is he doing? I don't even know what he's doing here. I don't know what he's doing either. It's a, it, it is a damn shame because he has the capability to bring something to this character and whether it wasn't in the script or it wasn't in the direction or just in the style of the film i mean it's hard to say i mean maybe all a combination of all of those things if tim burton had continued on with his style billy d williams would have nailed two-face in tim so. burton's batman 3 whatever it would have been yep i think so absolutely correct but again, we'll have to open that dimensional portal one day. We'll find out. They managed to, so the Graysons spring into action. They start beating up the goons. Bruce is beating up, beating up the goons. Dick manages to get the bomb uh, out and into the harbor, but not before uh, his entire family falls from uh, from the ceiling there. They're all killed. No, you're missing the best part is that e even though it was loud, because he used to call Two-Faces calling for Batman to reveal himself. Um, Wayne, oh, yeah. Kilmer stands up and says, uh, hey, Harvey, I'm Batman. He screams yeah, it. I'm Batman, And, and yeah. nobody beside him heard that? I mean, give me a break. Well, I, I mean... Loud, but I've been to sporting events when everybody's screaming and yelling and it, you can't hear shit. So <laughs> I, can I can kind of believe it. Everything. I like the, I liked the character moment where he didn't even hesitate. <laughs> I just needed Costanza there. I can hear everything. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like Commissioner Gordon was there. That guy didn't hear shit. He's like 150 <laughs> years old. and I mean, what's he doing, you know? Why is he even there? Why is Commissioner Gordon there? He's, he's there for the hot dogs. A, he is there for the hot dogs. <laughs> what a plug. Why he's a chucker. That's what he is. Yeah, he's, he's a chucker. He's a chucker. <laughs> yes. We should have just got James Doohan to play him. I mean, geez, he just keeps getting bigger in every movie. <laughs> Can't reach the controls, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> That guy inflated like a helium balloon. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is this is like post-Star Trek, too. Who knows what he had grown to at this point. Oh, my God. His own feet couldn't carry him in the end. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, I love you, Scotty, but it's true. I know this ship like the back of my hand. <laughs> Poor bastard. But, but also hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I yeah, uh, okay, this scene, these scenes are just kind of yeah, um, I, for me. I mean, I didn't mind the the scenes of the Graysons falling, but it was kind of filmed so half-assed. It was kind of uh, well, I, mean, I didn't yeah. mind that Dick was saved the day, but I also hated the fact that Bruce Wayne not only tried to reveal himself in front of everybody, but then he goes and starts fighting everybody. Yeah, that so, was the I part mean, where I like well, it, as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, like, I guess at that point he's like, like it's imminent danger. I, I mean, my secret identity doesn't mean anything now, and that's why I kind of like the character moment. Like he still needs to save the day. Yeah. What's he gonna do? He's like, well, shit. Like I guess I'll let everybody die because I can't let anybody he, hear. He, never mind the never mind the immense tubes and Alfreds outside all the time. It just takes him two seconds to get changed anywhere else. But here, well, no, he put the, no. no, but the bomb had a timer on it, dude. He didn't have. It probably takes him eight and a half no, minutes just to fucking minutes, put his boots on. It was just a two no, minute time. I don't know about that. In every even before he changes so fast and come become get, gets there. in every batman movie and including this one that's just editing ten, that's uh, just no. No, that's just editing man when the timer is actually on you can't believe that he could put on that suit in two minutes i can't even put like my fucking jeans on in two minutes <laughs> how much have you had to drink jeez well it's the jeans they're very stiff but the anyway i mean okay it's just it, it is a goofy scene they need to show they need to show it so we can we can get the origin story for for dick grayson 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, nothing to it. It's kind of lazy, yeah, it's, lazy filmmaking and rush, rush, and whatever. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they rush through it. It's, yeah, they rush through it. There's no, it, it, it just, it is what it is. We got, you know what I mean? Like they kind of need to keep the, uh, uh, the, the movie, uh, moving along. Obviously, Bruce's offer to take uh, Dick in. Uh, they arrive at Wayne Manor. They show up. Gordon goes. You know, Dick doesn't want to stick around. So, uh, you know, Bruce kind of, you know, nowadays it'd be a little creepy, but, you know, whatever. I, I kind of liked the this more modern take on the Robin character where he is a little bit more raw. He's a little bit more, well, he's a lot more broken. We've, we've come to him right after his his entire family is dead. He's older than he, you know, he was a, the, as the character was traditionally. The character, you know, would have been, you know, fifteen, sixteen. Mm. Uh, this, this, uh, this Dick is college age. He'll say, you know, somewhere twenty-two. Let's say, you know. I'm not a huge fan of Chris O'Donnell, but his opening scenes, well, his scenes here with Bruce, where he's, obviously he's broken down. I I don't know. I, I actually thought Chris O'Donnell did a pretty good job here. He didn't overact anything. No, he's I sad. thought he was fine. Yeah. I, I even like the, the laundry scene where he's showing off his skills. <laughs> do, do, doing the laundry, like whipping it and folding it, and it's just like turning, getting a mop and squeezing it. And I, don't know. I think I was watching him do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's squeezing it, he's ringing it, he's doing all, yeah, yeah. All I know and is, he went, all he I know is Alfred, at the all end I know too. Alfred was amused. <laughs> Alfred didn't know what to think. He felt things he hadn't felt in decades. <laughs> Watching that scene, <laughs> uh, I, I like the scene there where he where he's in the garage, he's looking at the bikes. I I thought that was fun, and and you know Val, I thought Val Kilmer played that nonchalance really well. Bruce Wayne's like, yeah, he has cool motorcycles. You know, if somebody wants to pick him up, he can take it. Okay, anyway, yeah, peace out. See ya, see ya, Dick. Thanks for coming by, and then walks away. I I, I like that scene. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. These these first scenes of them together, I actually enjoyed. I mean, much more in comparison to Clooney and O'Donnell. Mm. I prefer Kilmer yeah. to an O'Donnell. I think they had a bit more chemistry yeah. but Clooney kind of just didn't sell it because he's George Clooney the the bum. Kilmer's a bum but he just played it straight. Clooney was doing his head bob through the whole I thing. I think so. well, well I think what happened I I think Kilmer, Kilmer there, was there taking was... it I think he was taking it like he was taking it seriously like he was doing the role he was acting and I don't think George Clooney was taking it seriously. No, I don't think Kilmer was acting. I just think that the subject matter automatically brings a little bit more nuance to the table just in the dialogue itself. Because yeah. they're just, they're in Batman and, and Robin. They're just at odds and poking fun at each other, right? Yeah, that's here, true. here, it's about revenge. Like, let's just move on. Like, you talk about the whole relationship. Like, he's, you know, like these scenes, you know, he's trying to subtly invite him to stay and give him incentive to stay, which is nice. And then the scenes later, even after he finds out, finds out who Bruce is and is Batman, I enjoyed their interplay there too because he's saying, you know, I'm not going to train you it's all, but revenge isn't going to help. You'll just keep sliding yeah. into darkness and such and such and such. These are good scenes because of the subject matter. And I also think that Chris O'Donnell didn't oversell it. Yeah. So, not great acting by O'Donnell, but not terrible. Especially in comparison to what will eventually come. <laughs> in the next yeah. movie yeah no and then yeah exactly and then the next movie i mean shit it's it's well it's also a, a poorly batman and robin is also poorly 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 written it, at least in this context here it's not it's not the best scripts ever but there's more room for for some more contemplative moments yes where, where an actor kind of step back and you know and and display some emotion without waving his hands around or trying to be angry uh, but this interplay i thought was uh was really nice i thought it worked i thought it worked really well and you're right they have mad. They totally have more chemistry, and George and, and uh, O'Donnell didn't have they didn't have any chemistry either. But I don't know how they were going to find any in that 
clusterfuck. Anyway, so uh, so getting back to the film here, we uh, we get Two Face in his uh, in his lair. He's got his two ladies, uh, so Sugar and Spice. Sugar played by Drew Barrymore, also looking pretty good for the girl who was an ET. I would say uh, I've never been a never been a fan. I've never but... been a fan either, but this scene here. I was a fan. It's okay, whatever. And his uh, other uh, his other girl, Spice, played by Debbie Mazar, who uh, hasn't appeared a whole lot, uh, not a huge career for her. Fans of Entourage will recognize her as uh, Vince's agent, or it's not agent, manager. Anyway, I kind of like this hideout. I mean, it's definitely over the top. It's definitely goofy. Uh, the Riddler show. so uh, Jim Carrey shows up. He has now uh, undergone his transformation into the Riddler. Uh, actually, I skipped ahead here. So previous in uh, Edward Nigma's apartment here, he knows he's uh, he's so he's watched the circus carnage on TV. Uh, obviously loved it for some reason. Thought it was great that Two Face was uh, this crazy dude, and he boots up his supervillain costume generator. Uh, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure there's supervillain costume generators out there on the internet right now. Comes up with his uh, his persona as the Riddler, even though he's been surrounded by Riddler clothing, figurines. Well, and everything for the whole movie. You know what? Office, so whatever. It kind of reminded me of that scene in Mystery Men with all the superheroes. He's trying to figure out names. He's like uh, Puzzler, Question Mark Man, all that stuff. And he, you know, he settles on the Riddler. I'm thinking more UHF where Stanley's blindfolded and, you know, I'm thinking of something orange. But, that, <laughs> but, but you mentioned that the blindfold is orange and he's just surrounded by green here and he, the Riddler's right in front of him everywhere. That's yeah. That's I think good. it's the same same. Same comparison, just yeah, the stupidity no, of it. Silly. Yeah, it's he, he's silly. a dumb character. It's a dumb story. It's a dumb origin. It's just dumb. Yeah, well, we could talk about the origin here. I mean, the origin of the Riddler in the comic books. I mean, he's had a few different iterations. Nothing really would have played well for the screen. So I think this is kind of... This is sort of a byproduct of that. I mean, you have to tell his origin story. You know what the funny thing is, is, you know, I don't think you need to. In these movies, you do, because every villain had to have one in the 90s and early 2000s. Why can't we just have a fucking Batman movie where you don't even know who the fucking guy is? Because isn't this even one of the strengths of the Joker, where you don't even really truly know the name, who he is, what yeah. caused him to turn, even though you get stories of the Joker's origins, like the Killing Joke, for example. But with, why don't you just do a movie with the Riddler and he's just starts as the Riddler and he's just out well, there and he's and he's you know like you don't need to have an origin of who this guy is I think that I think it'd be refreshing yeah. but that's just me I mean I see what you're saying I mean when, when you know with Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight uh, and the you know the Joker just he shows up he doesn't have an origin story and he alludes you know he tell or he tries to tell two or three different stories about how he got his scars and that does allude back to like what you said with the killing joke they, they present possible origin stories for him and that is part of the mystique and allure of of the Joker of that character. And I mean, I think we all. I don't know about you, man, but I, I mean, I totally approve of that. I, I don't ever want to know the Joker's origin story because what they've done with him now works. In that film, in The Dark Knight, his origin was that he was the product of what of the situation that Batman created. He was the insanity that that was born out of it and that was why can't the Riddler also be the same thing I think the reason why is because one we already have that with the Joker and two it seems his his routine is oddly specific what I think would make more sense is going back to the Dark Knight is Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face in that movie but he doesn't become the villain Two-Face from the comics he's referred to as Two-Face by Commissioner Gordon earlier uh, as the nickname because you know he was kind of a turncoat or he would rat on people or whatever so they called him two-face and and his face kind of gets melted off so the the 
the thematic elements are there to make that character Two-Face, but he wasn't Two-Face, you know what I mean? But if they did something similar with the Riddler, but he's not the Riddler like we know him. He's just Edward Nigma. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean, I don't, honestly, I don't know how you do it. In the in 1995, what else are you going to do? Like, that's what you're going to do, right? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, for this movie, it, you know, it doesn't modern, work. Modern it's, day, it's yeah, you'd it's have to do something different. It's a challenge, but I think good writing, you can make an interesting movie with the Riddler without have to having to worry about exposition or a detailed origin anyways. But that's just me. Well, it's going to be good writing, you do anything, but like good writing, you're, good writing in Hollywood, dude, we're asking for a lot, especially yes, nowadays. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on. So we get to this, so he speaking of the Riddler. So he, he finds the uh, Two Faces Lair. Uh, they have some back and forth there. Riddler presents his plan. So the Riddler wants to put his box into every home in Gotham City, so we can suck everybody's brain power. And he also wants to show up Bruce Wayne and outsell uh, Wayne Enterprises. And in exchange, he'll help Two Face uh, and hunt down and embarrass, and then eventually uh, kill the Batman. What do you think of the chemistry between Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey? Non-existent. Yeah, yeah totally non-existent. Non-existent. The, they just do their own thing. And yeah. in the end, it's all just Jim Carrey. Yeah, these two do not fit on a screen together at all. So why don't we just quickly talk about this? I, I was waiting to bring it up. Maybe it's a good time now, a good segue. Mm. This is now one of the earlier movies in superhero <laughs> cinema, modern superhero cinema, where we have, are now introduced to having two larger than life yeah. villains in the same movie. Yeah. I know in Batman Returns you you had Catwoman and the Penguin. I guess you could say that was the origin, but Catwoman was kind of gray. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you have, obviously had Christopher Walken who's just, you know, an enigma on it by himself. But yeah. here you had two competing zany top of the line supervillain yeah. right uh, definitely evil definitely bad working together right yeah. so i'm not a fan i think it's just when you're trying to share the screen time it just doesn't work and especially when you only have one movie and if you're trying to give them both something to do unless again you have better writing it, it didn't work here and then you have the same problem in batman and robin we have the same problem in some of the spider-man movies that came much later you could argue something similar with the dark knight rises so what, what do you think what do you think of this no this trend yeah i i noticed it as well i mean yeah we could go back to batman returns and suggest that maybe the seeds were planted there with catwoman and max shrek played by christopher walken i believe was originally conceived as uh, i i think he was conceived originally as a as a batman villain it might have been the riddler i can't recall so the seeds were planted there but yeah i uh, honestly i'm not sure why like i'm not sure why they decided to to do this i mean these characters have rich backgrounds i think it's, uh, i honestly you know what i think it's probably the difficulty in writing maybe the riddler himself because you need maybe they wanted someone more you know guns a blazing yeah just for some of the heavier action sequences and you can't do that with the riddler unless he's got an army and head right. and that's really not the riddler no it's so not. maybe they kind of said okay we want the Riddler, but he's not strong enough, and we just want a gun-toting guy just for the sake of you know hamming up some scenes and being more brash and having some chases and some yeah. shooting, and that's pretty much why they had these two there. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable explanation because Two Face has never really been known as a as a mastermind, and the Riddler is the mastermind without the the army. So you know, putting them together, I guess, gives you both of what you need. And it's I don't know, it, it's too bad. Because, I mean, one, I don't think these two villains fit very well together in a film uh, thematically. You know, good writing could make it work, but it, it, it doesn't quite here. And, and yeah, this, the trend is, has begun. Every, every single superhero movie here on out has had two villains, you know, really. So it's, it's unfortunate because some of these villains 
are are really interesting and they deserve you know we could explore that character a little bit more or explore the hero a little bit more whichever you one you want to pick you could make I mean Two Face is great I love Two Face I love Harvey Dent we could do a whole thing with with Harvey Dent they don't do him justice until the Dark Knight you know and even then boy once it becomes Two Face he's just second fiddle to the Joker you well know? yeah it's they dropped the ball there too even though the origin is okay uh, but yeah he just goes nowhere I mean the the Harvey Dent character yeah goes nowhere exactly and uh, yeah we could cite numerous examples of where this doesn't work but but you're absolutely right this is really the the, the start of it and i don't i don't know why it caught on so well i don't really i don't have an explanation no because i don't see bullshit. one where it really works i mean you can have like multiple people as a villain which are pretty much the same people like let's just look at even though it's not a perfect example it's not the best movie but superman 2 has zod and ursa and not but it's really about zod yeah, well, and Luther's there as well. Yeah, well, yeah. so Luther's there as well, but he's really not the bad guy. No, but the, They're not the, competing for the same but, thing, right? But Zod's not second, like, Zod, it's Zod and his gang. Yeah, it's it, not two, three villains, it's Zod and his gang. Yeah, but it's clearly still just Zod. Yes, it you is. You know what I That's mean? Correct. Even though yeah. he had, there's other people there. Yeah. Here, their Two-Face and Riddler are competing for the same role. That's right. And that's why it doesn't work. Spider-Man 3, you oh. had... I mean, that's another example. You had three, I think, three villains in there, right? In, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or really New two. Goblin, really two, Sandman, really, well, Venom, yeah. Well, yeah. really two. We would just say Venom and Sandman competing for the same role, yeah. right? I mean, things like that don't work, no. right? So I don't know why people, like Hollywood still thinks this is a great idea. Probably because they just, again, want to sell toys. Well, that's part of it. I mean, I, 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 mean, I have no doubt that that the toys, you know, come into come into play here, and and yeah, and that's you know that's really unfortunate that uh, the best version of the movie is is subjugated to the toy sales. But well, I mean, hey that, man, like there was just an article I read today where the the Rebecca Hall who played one of the girls in Iron Man three, I, I can't remember her role per se. If she was, I think she was a bad guy or helped set Tony up to the Guy Pierce character. But originally, she was supposed to yeah. be the Guy Pierce character, but they changed it because they didn't want her to sell as the main villain for because of toy purposes. Right. So they rewrote it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it still happens today. I mean, that's a recent movie. Oh, it, it absolutely happens today. There's no question it still happens today. I would suggest that it probably happens more today than it did. Uh, I think they just, maybe they've gotten a little bit better at making it a, a little more seamless. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. But, but it's it's still, you know, it's some bullshit for sure. Anyway, so uh, so we'll move on. So the Riddler and Two-Face, they team up for some reason. The Riddler's genius plan is to rob a bunch of fucking banks and jewelry stores to, to funnel capital to build his, uh, his new factory. I don't know why the Riddler and Two-Face are participating directly in the heists themselves. It doesn't make any fucking sense, but, you know, whatever, I guess comic book villains, they've got to get their hands dirty. Yeah, they're just uh, getting money. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Dick, is, as he explores Wayne Manor, he notices there's uh, one locked door, uh, gets a little too curious, and then uh, one one uh, one day decides to break in. We get some more scenes with Chase and, and Bruce. She gives him that uh, dream, that doll the ward off bad dreams i don't i don't know whatever some more dream sequences with bruce so we see some more scenes with uh so the same Im- imagery that that expands a little bit we get, we get the, the red bat. book and we get we get the flying bat you know as I, I i mean this stuff plays okay for me because as fans of the character like you and i as fans we know what's happening and what he's seeing even though he doesn't really know what he's seeing because he had you know what i mean like it's repressed memories so he's struggling with the nature of being the batman and what makes him batman i like that they're going for this exploration 
because they haven't really done a lot of this before. I don't know that they... I mean, I think Val Kilmer's trying to get pull it off where the script just is kind of failing. What do you think? Mick, I'm not saying he's doing a bad job here, but he's still so monotone through the whole thing. I really don't get a lot of layers out of his performance. Might be due to the direction, might be due to the dialogue, might be due to Kilmer himself, right? And his limitations as an actor or what, you know, he eventually brought to the table because he became big and then had an ego or whatever, whatever. However, which way you want to interpret it, whatever the truth is, I'm not getting a lot out of here, but I appreciate the attempt. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I definitely, I mean, I think I agree with you here. I, I, I really appreciate the attempts. I mean, we could talk about this later, but there are attempts to make this movie as big as it is, as bombastic as it is, as ridiculously insane as it is. There are attempts to make it a character-focused film as opposed to a plot-focused film. We are getting scenes with Bruce struggling with the duality, with the nature of being Batman. He knows that he's sick. He knows that this is an obsession but he can't break out of it, you know? Mm. Anyway, so just to move ahead a little bit, Dick devises a plan to acrobat his way into this mysterious locked door and then finds himself in the Batcave. So he boosts the Batmobile, drives out on the town. I, I kind of like some of this where he's sort of bouncing the car up and down, pulls up to the street. And all, you know, all the all the hookers are like, ooh, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm totally Batman. And he's, he's rolling around, you know, being a kid, and then uh, comes across the the damsel in distress, as I said. You know, what's a Batman movie with a damsel in distress? Confronts the gang members, does all right for himself for a little bit, and then kind of gets swarmed. And then Batman shows up, and, and I mean, he's pissed because he, you know, obviously he knows uh, who he is. He knew uh, Bruce Wayne was there that night and, uh, you know, blames Batman for not being able to save his parents. Uh, they get back to the Batcave, though, and he's, you know, and, and Dick is totally into it. Like, uh, you know, this is great. Like, I, you know, I... He wants to be trained as his partner. What did you think of this, you know, sort of initial reveal? So Dick finds out he's the Batman. They're at the Batcave. Well, that door really took a long time to close because I know he's an acrobat and all for him infiltrating oh, yeah. the cave. <laughs> and But man, they spent probably a good two minutes of showing him jumping, getting down, leaping from place to place, and then finally getting the door. It might have been a minute and a half or two minutes, and that door should have closed in about two seconds. Yeah, exactly. Like, so. closed, like, especially if it's the door to the fucking Batcave. Yeah. So. That door closes fucking quickly, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, so whatever. I mean, that's just... But yeah, I mean, like, it was kind of funny. I got a couple chuckles, especially with the car bouncing, and then he's on the town, and, you know, the fighting, he had some good moves. I mean, these are things. But I, I liked his reaction when he saw Batman. He was pissed and angry and yeah. crying and blaming him. And then, yeah, I like I like the scenes where he's saying, I want to be trained and be your partner, but I want to kill him. I get to be the one who kills. And yeah. this is where maybe some of the, the better scenes in the movie come out is, is between him and uh, Bruce. Bruce is saying, obviously, you know, revenge is not the right path, but he's not believing it at this point i like these scenes i think you know i was surprised at how well i like these scenes actually yeah i thought it worked i, I like that line like you said you know when we catch him i'm i'm the one who kills him i thought that was yeah he's expecting this is yeah this is batman's style yeah probably because he's probably killed all the famous guys before right joker died penguin died so it's like well, oh yeah this yeah. is how you roll right yeah exactly it's like <laughs> you've killed like 12 dudes at this point man like i just want to kill this one guy what's the problem man yeah, fuck so. but i i, I loved uh, but i yeah i loved how kilmer played this here where it, 
it's almost there's a there's sort of a, a parent child relationship here, like the do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Like he knows, like he's trying to steer him right. You know, like he he knows what the wrong path is because he took the wrong path, and now he's obsessed and he's down this path of re- revenge, and it doesn't it doesn't get better. Yeah. And he's you know, but like you can't explain that to this kid, right? He just he's not gonna understand. So I thought they portrayed that uh, very well. Like a, a quick scene. I thought the scene was tight. It was quick. Uh, work. I thought it worked good. So we move on to the party at uh, I guess Enigma Tech again another another uh, expensive party with you know all of uh, Gotham City's uh, rich and finest get to the party so Dick is there Bruce is there Chase is there I want to bring up one thing yeah because like at this point Jim Carrey's in his full Riddler you know shtick and do and yep, look. Yep. He goes, you know, I you know, I notice he keeps flipping back from a buzz cut to, a, you know, a fancy hairdo, which would require longer locks to slick it back that way. Kind of weird. Obviously, these were filmed in different orders. He probably filmed all of these scenes in the actual filming of the movie, and then when he's in full Riddler gear, he did the close shave and the buzz and yeah. everything you know the buzz top and everything like that but they keep in the in the actual chronology of the movie it's not that way he keeps jumping back and forth between this one haircut and this other haircut i'm saying man how is he growing this and yeah it can't be a wig so it's well, no it's yeah and it's not and and what's in and i was going to bring this up after but if you if you because I, I i read the script for the film for the first time and and did some research and the order of the scenes as written and the order of the scenes as uh eventually cut and in some places, very, very different. Mm. So there's some very interesting editing choices, and we can we can kind of talk about that. No, it makes after, sense but, considering who's who's responsible for this film. Yeah, well, they. I mean, most of the rearrangements came in the first act because they wanted to open with some more action. And anyway, so they. I mean, they did, but they did a fair amount of reorganization with with a lot of the scenes after everything had been filmed. And you can kind of tell because you know a lot of the movies a, a a big giant mess. But we get to the party, Edwards trying to emulate Bruce Wayne. He's got the fake mole. You know, it's all a bit of a ruse in order to get uh, Bruce Wayne into into the box to steal his his thoughts there. Two-Face inexplicably crashes the party. Bruce sneaks out, comes back as Batman. I did like the, the shot where he crashes in through the skylight and then does the flip off the fountain and starts beating up the thugs. I thought that was kind of a cool, kind of a cool shot there. I thought the action scene here was, uh, was pretty neat. And then Dick runs out, gets into his trapeze tights and uh, we follow them down so they kind of two-faced lays another trap for batman in the underground uh subway tunnels which is under construction tries to blow him up and then is rescued by dick i love how dick was just kind of hanging on a wire out of nowhere and pulling him out of the sand or whatever it is right i mean it's it's ridiculous yeah like where did he come from what's he hanging from i mean i'm just there because holy i'm a trapeze artist so i've got to strike this pose so i was i was shaking my head i was saying oh my god i did like um, Batman's flame retardant cape though. Yeah, yeah. That was a uh, that was a cool gadget. I actually like the how they shot sort of the hero pose that he takes as he like walks out of the fire in slow motion. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I, I like some of this stuff here. It, it it's kind of a shame because you can see like there's nuggets here, like where there's like a cool shot, there's something they do really cool, and then it's kind of buried under all of the camp and, and goofiness of, of the rest of it. So as I said, Superman three. Yeah, I don't remember a lot. I remember a lot of the camp of Superman three. Well, okay, yeah, there was good stuff there with the with the duality and when he was fighting himself and when he beat it, we beat up that dude in the bar was pretty fucking awesome too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was drinking in the bar, that was the best. But anyway, 
So we get uh, we get back to the Batcave again. So we get another exchange between Dick and Bruce. I I, I liked this one as well. Is like Dick's like, okay, baby, I'm I'm in. Like you know, uh, we just get a name and the whole thing. And I I like his response there. He's like, where, where Dick's like, I need a name. You know, Batboy, Nightwing, and Bruce is like, I, and this is where I think the deadpan monotone delivery that he's given the whole movie that you haven't really liked his works is like. How about Dick Grayson, college student? Yeah. I thought that was a, a good line. No, that was what, a good line. Yeah. One of the things that makes me laugh is, you know, Dick's like, hey, you know, I'm a part of this really well. You know, he's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to stop me? And he stands up like all threatened. He's like, I can stop you because he's Batman, right? But you look at him. Like Christian Bale's fucking jacked. Ben Affleck is humongous. And then you look at Val Kilmer and he stands up and, he's, and he, you know, he just looks like a regular dude. Well, you know, he's not. He's I don't, not, that, that doesn't. That doesn't impact me one way or another. Batman's Batman. People no, Bat- focus, yeah, people Batman's focus Batman. On, yeah, you, you focus on the muscles a little too much there. Jim. It's not so much that, but it does show you like but see, how the things have changed. Thing. Like Here, here's, the, here's the thing. I believe that Christian Bale is an intimidating man. Yeah. I do not believe Ben Affleck is an intimidating man in any which way. He's, you know, he's just pretty boy. Batman. And he's not if you a, saw it, him in person, you might, because he's like six foot four and like two hundred and fifty yeah. pounds. Man, he's so, a beast. So again, you're overplaying it because no, no, he is. He's big. He's big. He's, he's, he's not big as big boy. as you're making him out to be. But anyways, I don't want to go down that road again. I can let myself believe that he's Batman in this movie. Oh, I can so believe he's Batman as well. Just when he stands up, is like I can stop you. And well, he I just, have no problem with that. He just looks like a he just looks like a dude. Okay, I had no problem with it, but that's okay. Well, I'm not saying you have to have a problem with it. I just think it's an interesting difference between you know making movies then and making movies now like they're very careful about like now you're a bit you're you're you know like they're they're putting you on a regime for six months like if you're not already jacked they're getting a personal trainer they're getting a personal chef and you're in the gym every single day and when you come out out of the out of the factory you're a big guy you're you know you're you're developed and everything whereas that was less of a concern back in the you know in the 90s and before it, it, it it's interesting i don't know when it, when well, it really well, changed yeah, you're, this is an interesting segue maybe a discussion for another time but i mean this is really coming off like you, you look at arnie and sly they were built right right so right. these guys they worked hard they were built believable action heroes and you think of yeah. action heroes you think of those two guys then you have these initial superhero crazes with the rubber suits i mean you can even say christopher reeve even though he's not as big as these guys of today he was still au natural under the spandex right he was still yeah. fairly yeah. fairly built but then you got michael keaton that's a lot of some of the people joke around i got michael keaton i got val kilmer i got george <laughs> clooney and they, all you got was rubber suits defining them right yeah so people laugh at that so now yeah people have to be more jacked and you got then the x-men who's kind of after all of this these batman movies and hugh jackman being ripped so then now you have to top that so people just try and get bigger and bigger and bigger and the funny thing is is the suits are also getting bigger and bigger and bigger and that's yeah, where yeah. i laugh you know, you can talk about Ben Affleck being big. He was in shape, and yes, he was slightly big. But did you see those shoulders on that bat suit? Oh yeah, totally phony. I mean, totally it's phony. all it's bullshit, man. I laugh when I see this. I just laugh out loud. And I tell you right now, it's all in the performance. And that's why I think I like Christian Bale, and a lot of people do because yes, he was big, and but the suit didn't make him so much bigger. But the way he portrayed himself made him feel big and dangerous. And that's part yes. of who Christian Bale is. Like he's intimidating, yeah. right? And that's just like him as an act, as a person, and him as an actor. So he sold it slightly, right? In in, in some aspect, more than I'm seeing from 
other people. It want. is it is definitely Hugh Jackman's fault for being a monster in X Men. You're right, yeah, but it does. You're right. It does. It always comes down to the performance. But that's why I think the interesting thing is is now because these heroes are keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but the performances aren't what we want out of the characters so far. I think that you're going to see the reverse trend. I'm telling you that right now. We're going to see the reverse trend. So we're just going to see. So what is no, that? They'll be mean? in shape, but they're not going to be massive. It's because it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, yeah. It is. It is because, getting a little ridiculous. Because now you're relying on the suit to sell the character, and that's well, not what the yeah, character is about. I think about. the I think Batman. I think the Ben Affleck Batman suit is probably the most egregious offender so far because you're right. It was it it, it was mostly in the shoulders. Like the shoulders are not human shoulders, and it is a shame because he is a big dude. They don't need to do that. But you know what? The the problem. I think the problem there is they were trying to make him look like Frank Miller's Batman Dark Knight yeah, Turns. I understand. Which that's was which was a disproportionate person because of the artwork so they, they went too far in that direction and i definitely agree with you there they need to they need to they need to rein it in a little bit a lot to, they yeah. need to rein it in a lot because yeah. then what happens here is then the actor is forced to sell himself as an intimidating character yeah yeah instead of relying on a fucking suit yeah i think they, i think they did a good job like with like if you take captain america for example like chris I think Evans, that's a good a, that's a good balance a, but yeah that's a good balance because he's a big he's a big fit he's a fit he, dude but the costume doesn't try to overblow his physicality it's already yeah, it's, I think that's a good built. example but yeah. now let but then he's just a plain boring dude like I don't find Captain like Captain America is just a, a good role model but he's not intimidating no he's not right yeah. so I mean if you want it like you look at other people you want like let's focus on Batman because we're talking about Batman you want yeah. him to be intimidating it has to come from the performance first and first and foremost I don't care what anything else says I don't need to, I can if you can put give me the Adam West suit give me an actor who's in okay shape and if he sells it as a performer I believe it yeah, I'll go with you. I'll go with you part of the way. I'll go with you part of the way there. Batman needs to be, be because of the nature of the character. He needs to be. I need to. I need to see the physicality of the character. See, I don't, and I think that's part of the problem. This is where we disagree. I think this is part of the problem in Hollywood today. But I don't think this is a problem in this movie. I think we've segued way too much. So how about we just go right back to? It's an interesting discussion. Maybe something for another time. But we're at two two out more than two hours, so we should probably yeah, yeah, go no, back I, to Batman well, forever. Here. Another day we'll we'll pick up the uh, homoeroerotic discussion of uh, men's barrel chests in Hollywood. That cave scene ends. Uh, Batman. So he has a bit of a discussion there with Alfred over uh, you know over Chase. So he you know she invited him back to her place. He goes there as Batman, and she ends up effectively rejecting him because she's now fallen in love with with Bruce. Yeah, I love so, these scenes. Great. Especially his reaction afterwards. He was happy about that. <laughs> he was that well. He gives it the big uh, shit-eating grin on his face there after yeah. she gets rid of him. Oh, I liked uh, it. I liked it. That, that yeah, no, good. I liked and it I, too. And I was happy for him. I thought that this was great. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I thought I thought it worked really well, especially considering how the scenes between Chase and Batman have gone, and then she find and 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 then it ends in this in this fashion. I thought it was great because she's all she's all ready to go. She's got the sexy blanket wrapped around her, and yeah, I thought it, I thought it worked. Uh, I thought it worked really well. I thought Nicole Kidman actually did a really good job this character overall yeah I mean, not not great but i mean okay For me, well like, i mean it's, it's considering accurate. what she had to work with like it's a pretty underwritten character it's serviceable yeah it's serviceable yeah we uh so we get back to the riddler's fucking lair on this island there with spotlights and this is definitely over the top and they they plug in bruce wayne's memories uh you know obviously uh enigma's been uh, obsessed with bruce wayne he wants to find out he wants to figure out a way to outclass him, outdo him, and and they find out that obviously the image of the flying bat. We find out, you know, they 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 deduce that he's the Batman at this point. That's fine. That's believable. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I bought it. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's not a wild stretch, so good. good no, for them. yeah, it's not a wild stretch at all. I mean, well, I mean, the movie's a wild stretch, but considering the context, yeah. So he's the Batman. We get back to Wayne Manor. It's uh, it's Halloween. We're in the Batcave again, and Bruce is shutting everything down with Dick walking around, and, and Bruce is saying, you know, Batman is done. We're not, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. And there's there's some more exploration of the of the concept of of the revenge eating your yeah. life up. So we see Bruce trying yeah. to let go of that. Yeah, and, and I. I love the fact that he's still leaving the decision up to him. It's like, I'm telling you not to do it, but I'm kind of really not going to stop you. Yeah. But yeah. I'm telling you this is the wrong thing. And I, I like that because he's giving him, he's trusting that he'll make the right decision. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's he's trying to be the role model. It's like, this is what I'm doing. I'm shutting down Batman. And the for rest all the, Yeah, for all the wrong reasons, but whatever. Well, that's, well, that's, well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, the wrong reasons, I think there's a few reasons. I mean, obviously, a lot of it has to do with Chase, but he's starting to understand. Because I think what I see is that he can see himself in Dick and what, you know, what Dick is doing with who's becoming consumed by revenge. I think he can kind of see himself there and, and he can see that reflection back. Like, I don't want to be this anymore. I don't either. think the movie portrays that though. I mean, I think there's a line he, they throw out there, but clearly the way the movie's edited, it's just clearly all about Chase. Oh, yeah, this, it's about this, her. Yeah. This dig, someone finally digs Bruce Wayne, so I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking off. Yeah. So, I'd rather it, if they played it more, it was really about the relationship between him and Dick and yeah. him wanting revenge and following Batman. And that would, I think that would have been an interesting lines thrown in here. Well, the Joker died. Well, mm. the Penguin died. I mean, you could, you could use those as excuses, right? Or all these other people you have fought have died yeah. and it's for the better. So I'm yeah. going to do the same thing. And that would have been an interesting take and something worthy of exploring especially in the universe that Burton created because Batman's yeah. not supposed to kill but people have unfortunately died even though I don't think he's directly responsible more indirectly well but... there was that dude he stuffed dynamite down his pants once in uh, Batman <laughs> Returns <laughs> I mean you know he lit yeah. a dude on fire once too didn't he with uh, his jet know. I don't know. Anyways, I mean, you, these are things I think you you could have yeah. explored in this universe that would have been would have been worthy of something to explore. Instead, it was just like, okay, the, this this hot lady digs Bruce Wayne. I'm out of here as Batman. Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, it would have been more interesting to explore the relationship between Bruce and Dick and and talk about the, those concepts. I never thought about that before. I think that's interesting uh, that you bring up, man. That would have been really cool to hear Dick say, like, you've killed, well, yeah, you killed the Joker, you killed the Penguin. Like these guys are dead now, and and, and is the world a better place yeah. yeah i think that would have been a this movie could have been so much stronger yeah if they had focused on that yeah, because no, I really agree. that's one of the strengths of and then you know it'd be interesting that it was dick grayson that brought batman back from that edge yeah. because he was always teetering on that edge of just constantly killing people even though as I, I'll, I'll still say it's really not killing killing like it was portrayed in batman versus superman that's a bit of a different different it, take. Uh, i don't know man i think it's pretty i think it's similar in the sense that he didn't murder anybody but there were casualties of combat like batman considers what he's doing as going to war and when you're in war you don't murder people but like there are casualties in the battlefield i understand but i think that i think there but i think that no, batman I, and batman returns treated it that way i think batman v superman treated it in a similar way although movie, with movie, more movie. of a slight lean towards murder i don't know i i, I disagree mainly because of the tonality of the film the tim burton one versus batman v superman but anyway yeah, yeah I, think, very, we, I think we film. i think we i think we agree that this would be something worth exploring instead of yeah. just i'm leaving because this chick likes me. yeah no you're right and i think what you said there were you know would it be 
interesting for for Dick to kind of be able to be the one to pull him back because that's often been the role of the Robin character in the comic books the different incarnations of Robin was to pull him out of the darkness a little bit so that would have been neat to see in this aspect here but Dick takes off uh, Chase comes over for the date. He, um, you know, he wants to tell her about the dreams, about how he's Batman. He gets the the flashbacks, and we get sort of the full memories kind of come back, and and we get the explanations to what he's been seeing. The the diary, the red leather book, was a diary that his father kept, and the realization that he'd never write it in it again was when it hit him that. His parents were dead. He fled out into the rain and uh, and fell into uh, into the bat cave. There's a line in the script. I don't know that it was in the movie, but I loved the line. As you know, Bruce is kind of describing the nightmare or or these visions or whatever you want to call it to Chase, and he says something along the lines of, "People think that I became the Batman to fight crime, when really I became the Batman to fight my fear, and in the process, I became the fear." And even <laughs> I mean, I again, I don't think that exactly made it into the movie, but I think a bit of that concept made it in. And I, I mean, I, I really I love that line. idea. It shows the psychosis, like yeah. how, how psychotic he is. Yeah. He's just damaged. Yeah, because he really is. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I and, wish movies would explore that a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in all honesty, for any superhero that's out there, this is the one where they really need to explore the psychology of it because he is not well, no. you know? Like Clark Kent, mentally, he's okay. Yeah. He's fine. He's, he's perfectly healthy. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's perfectly healthy. He's, he's a totally rational idea, uh, reasons for what he's doing. It all makes sense. You know, same for Spider-Man, the same for all those other guys. But for Batman, it is not the same thing. Like, he is damaged. And this is the... Uh, well, uh, I think well, you could, argue that, you could, you could that argue that with other other characters. I mean, Punisher. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, not just Batman, but I agree. Batman need, needs that kind of exploration, yeah. especially in a live-action feature, right? I think that's where you, you could really get the best Batman movie absolutely yeah right. they really dove into that that'd be great but before we can re- so they kiss chase sort of realizes from the kiss that uh, bruce is the batman uh two-face and the riddler bust in fights ensue bruce gets kind of zinged in the head chase gets stolen riddler leaves uh his final riddle on the scene there you know they take chase back to the comical lair she's got that weird like gold chains all uh chained up there it's kind of ridiculous bruce wakes up what's interesting is in the original script here just as a segue when bruce wakes up he doesn't remember that he is batman and now has to kind of take him through like he's okay like he he remembers his life as bruce wayne and and alfred kind of has to reintroduce him to his psychoses in order to bring the batman out so that he can go and you know defeat the uh, the bad guys which i thought was really neat but unfortunately we didn't get uh, well, i don't think it would have fit in this movie tonally no it wouldn't and, have fit tonally and, 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 and too much time already like yeah. you, you need to wrap the movie up yeah you need point. to wrap it up so he wakes up the bat cave's been destroyed uh, and this is again this is a, another toy selling opportunity where he's got this uh, bizarre bat suit that's all tricked out with the nipples no this one doesn't have the nipples no it does yeah, I no, no, it down. the new one does not. Yeah, it's got nipples. It doesn't. Okay, anyways, I don't want to... The one arguing. through the whole movie that he had, had the nipples, The new this one does not have nipples. Okay, anyways. The great nipple debate. So he gets the new suit, <laughs> Dick comes back with the new Robin suit, which does have nipples, uh, and they go out on their final mission here. We get the final conflict, so they make it to the island. There's a little battle in the water there, which is uh, kind of silly, sort of pointless, but, you know, an action set piece. Things get a little 
kind of confusing from a physical standpoint here. They Robin and Batman get separated. Or Robin's beating up Two-Face, but gets uh, still manages to get himself uh, taken captive for showing mercy. Uh, and then they uh, present Batman with the hero's choice here. Choose between... Uh, I mean, they present the choice between Robin and Chase and the obviously the choice between are you Batman or are you Bruce Wayne? Hey, so uh, I have a question for you before you yeah. move on. When you announced you were going to do Batman Forever, yeah. I was curious as to why. Okay. And then I watched this movie and I'm wondering if it, because we, when we've talked about superhero movies in the past, you've always come down to the hero's choice. It's one of your favorite aspects of any of these movies. Yeah. Was this type of hero's choice here one of the reasons you picked this movie? It is not, uh, actually, because the the resolution here also is not satisfactory to yeah, me. Yeah, I was going to say, because I was, yeah. if that was the case, I would have been surprised. Yeah. Because no. it's like, well, I really don't care, but I, I just by chance I get to save both anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's basically by chance he gets to save both anyways, and that's not why I chose the movie. Uh, it's the same with, because uh, the the, almost the same hero's choice is presented in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, uh, and he still manages to win, right? Both. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which, is a, which is a real shame, unfortunately, but... You know, whatever they don't the the it worked in the dark knight he had the hero's choice and he lost they actually did it well like he didn't win the hero's choice in 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 the dark knight but uh, that's definitely not this movie here no i i chose this film i actually wasn't thinking about this scene and as i was watching it last night i'm like well, Harry's definitely bringing this one up because I fucking talked my balls off about the hero's choice. But the reason I did shoot, well, we could talk about it after. Yeah, so, let's talk about it. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's some bullshit here. He shoots the batarang at the machine, which for some reason causes the platform he's standing on to become holographic and then disappears. I didn't really understand that. So he dives down, manages to save Chase, manages to save Robin. I, I didn't mind how it was filmed. I thought it was kind of cool, some of the slow motion there that was done. You know, they're back up. The only thing I liked about the resolution with Two-Face is that, you know, he kind of used his Achilles heel against him mm-hmm. with throwing the coins. But one thing I liked from Tommy Lee Jones there, because he was just going to blow them all away, and, and Batman's like, well, what about your coin? And he's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, right. And he's, But he's like, thank you, Bruce. You've always been a good friend. Yeah, and that, I like that, that was, line. I like that, and that was something that that had been in the script before that just didn't really make it into the final piece. Was that they had been friends? Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that was kind of that was kind of a nice touch there. And you know, obviously he falls down. Riddler being overloaded with his the I don't know psionic energy or whatever from the city turns him into the Elephant Man. <laughs> I laughed at that though. Oh, <laughs> I, we forgot to mention that when they first got onto the island after the uh, boat incident. Yeah. This was no boat accident. But anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love how he says, holy metal something, Batman. Holy rusted metal, Batman. Yeah, yeah so I appreciated the, the throwback line there. The callback. Yeah, that was, I actually chuckled. I said, okay, okay. I it, almost it always fast forward through that moment when I watch it. I hate it. It, it, it fits tonally. It does fit tonally. Yeah. You are right, but I hate it still. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not an excuse, but it, it's definitely... You know what? I, I don't story. mind that they did the callback. Like, I mean, obviously the callback is, you know, it's funny. They just should have found something a little bit more, something a little more clever than that. Like, <laughs> holy rusted metal? Like, come on. That's a line I would have written. That's great. That's, yeah, exactly. Like, come on. <laughs> would have been funny if you'd have been like, holy shit, Batman. That... <laughs> That would have been awesome, actually. That would have worked. I actually, I actually want someone to say that, like you know, Robin to say that, like literally. <laughs> Just imagine the laughs in the theater. That'd be great, dude. The fucking roof would have come off of that place if he had said "Holy shit, Batman!" Would have come right off of that place because <laughs> it was so unexpected. Even though totally it makes sense, yeah. I didn't expect them to do to use that line. So this would have been the perfect. <laughs> 
This would have been the perfect play. This movie would be different. I'd be like, I'd be in heaven. He should have deadpanned it too. He should be like, holy <laughs> shit, Batman. Would have been great. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. The I, things I need that, that could portal. have been. I need that portal, man. Let's make it happen. Yeah, we definitely need that portal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as we uh, come to kind of wrap it up here, the Riddler gets locked up in Arkham Asylum. He's gone crazy, so... He's now uh, Batman. He's now Batman for some reason. Uh, I got the impression from Bruce and Chase there that he was like, he gives her the, the dream doll back. I was like, well, he's just breaking up with her. He's like, okay, uh, I'm gonna... Thanks for the fun. See, see ya. I'm gonna go back and be Batman now. And yeah, yeah. I... Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough of an incentive here because nothing ha that transpired in the third act would make well, me think he still needs to be Batman, especially with the, you know, Two-Face gone and the Riddler behind bars. It's like, okay, what what really changed? Because you're really to give, you were willing to give it up even with them loose. Yeah, I think what changed was... As he as he kind of speaks to the Riddler in their in the final scene there in the in the lair is he says you know don't you see I'm both Bruce Wayne and Batman not because I have to be but because I choose to be so he's becoming Batman again yeah, for, for a why? different I, reason right he's no, kind no. of gotten through the bad stuff and now he wants to be Batman because he knows he's supposed to be because he can do good not because he wants to purge how is that different than before well because before I think he's traumatized by the by the event of his of witnessing his parents murder thinking he could have done more which wasn't really in the movie unfortunately but but kind of bearing that trauma and and translating into his responsibility where it's it's the compulsion to be batman because he has to be and i think that i i don't i don't think that they really brought it forward but i can see where the nuggets were where they were trying to show that like he he got over the part where he thought he had to be batman and got to the point where he chose to be batman because he could do good no, not, a, um, yeah, I, I, not quite I developed didn't, enough i don't think, enough, think that's I where they were i didn't going. buy it it's just like okay we gotta sell more ties we're gonna make another one so i gotta be batman again Ciao. Well, yeah, obviously they can't just lock lock it up after this one. They got to make another one, right? So uh, they're not going to let them let them wrap up the story. But a, a bit of a callback to the scene where we have the silhouette of the bat flying towards the screen with the light behind it, and we get uh, Batman and Robin. We get the silhouettes running towards the screen against the uh, the bat signal in the background, and that's that's it. That's Batman forever, man. Yeah, terrible third act. Atrocious. Uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think the third act entirely was terrible, but the, the the conflict at the like the the the, the climax was bad. Yeah, the climax is yeah, terrible. Climax was terrible. It was it was just not very well thought out logistically and didn't didn't have the emotional resolution that that it needed. So just a couple of things I wanted to to bring up, you know, as we uh, just sort of wrap up the film here. You know, like I, I kind of alluded to it before, but as you know, as messy as this can be, as campy as you know, over the top as it can be, I really think that and part of the reason I I did want to talk about this film is you know this past year. Year. So 2016 was was the most jam-packed superhero year we've had, right? We had Deadpool, we had Batman v Superman, we had Captain America Civil War, we had X-Men Apocalypse, we're going to have Doctor Strange. I mean, that's five, I don't know if I missed any, that's five superhero movies this year. And... I mean, we just keep getting more and more of these crazy, big, you know, superhero blockbusters where like, entire civilizations are exploding, basically. And I, I wanted to go back to before, you know, these, you know, superhero movies were were like this. And you know, we talked about Superman already. And like I said, this is kind of the forgotten Batman movie. And as I watched it, I thought, you know what? For all of its failings, this they act this they actually are attempting to make this a character focused 
film, uh, among all of the toy sales, among all of the craziness, among all of the Jim Carreyness, you know, I, I think that there's actually a reasonable character study of, of Batman and Bruce Wayne here. That's it's a feeble attempt, but an attempt. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opinion. I mean, I mean, I, there are a couple of nuggets here. There's maybe two or three decent or slightly good scenes in this movie, but that doesn't make it okay. It's like Superman three. There's some duality there. I like it, but it needed to be more to be a better movie. You know what I mean? We all love the duality scenes in Superman 3. That's the highlight of those movies, of that movie. But you could say these couple of scenes here between him and Dick or him and Chase, where it's not sex bot Chase, it's like psychiatrist Chase. Yeah. That equivalent, that's equivalent to five minutes of movie time. Yeah. So not enough. It's 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 there as window dressing. I, I even find that it's more interesting in Superman 3 because it's the same. I mean, I think there's more exposition and dialogue in this movie in comparison to that, but I enjoyed seeing that more, mm. right? Yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. Better. Yeah, no, I, I mean, do. It's I, just I, not I, enough i mean i'm I, I think you know initially my memories had it that i always thought batman and robin in the long run was a better movie even than batman forever mm. as crazy as that sounded because they just went for it and i can enjoy it for the stupidity it's a good drinking movie you know it's loaded with arnold and his puns and i can dig that it, with a good with a good crowd right with the right crowd yeah and the right drinks <laughs> Oh, man. The right drinks, for sure. Yeah, the right drink. I mean, that's a drinking movie. It's a fun movie to watch because it's so bad. It's a movie that's so bad, it's good. This movie is not so bad, it's good. It's bad, but it's got some good nuggets. In yeah. it. So it's a different beast altogether. You know what I mean? But I, after watching it this time, because it's been so long, I actually think that this is actually still a better movie. My opinion has flipped. Mm-hmm. A better movie than Batman and Robin. Yeah. Even though I think that just Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones really ruined this movie for me, it's not enjoyable to watch. In comparison to, I can still enjoy bits and pieces of Batman and Robin just for the sheer lunacy of it. Again, with the right drink. Sure, yeah. <laughs> if you understand what I mean. In yeah, fact, no, I understand what you're saying. And, yeah. if, and in fact, based on... On how we rate, I don't want to. I don't want to know if I want to open up Pandora's box. You could even argue that Batman and Robin is a rare antiquity for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> but this movie is not. Yeah. It's not special enough. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It it, it it tries to play it straight, but then it, they just don't do a good enough job with the villains, and there's not enough exploration on what we needed Bruce Wayne and Batman and his relationships between Dick and Chase to make it a home run, or not even a home run, even a single. <laughs> maybe maybe half a single. <laughs> I think I, I, I give him a single. I give him first base. Like okay, you give, give, first base give him a single here. Not a not a standing single, but you know, like they, it's all right. Okay, maybe they barely slid into first. Yeah, I'll give them. Yeah, they slid into first barely. Barely. So well, nobody slides into first, but you know, whatever. These guys slid into first. So that just says it all right there, right? Yeah. So that's kind of my take. On yeah, it. no, that's that's fair enough. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. There, there's definitely a lot of there's good nuggets here that that, that almost seem like they tried to shoehorn good moments into a shitty movie, which is too bad. I, I guess you know, again, going back to the reason why I, I chose this for for the podcast is you know when I watch the modern superhero movies, I don't see any examples of character at all like they don't they don't even try it's all about the spectacle it's all about the bombastic uh, special effects the action set pieces they do explore themes but the characters are just there to kind of move the plot forward i agree with that i agree with that for the most part yeah Yeah. and and i think that's a shame because a lot of these superheroes are really interesting characters and that's part of why they're still popular decades 
later after their original creation is because they have, you know, they're nuanced, they're layered. There's so many different ways to to explore them and to put them into different situations to see what's going on and, and to see how that character is going to react. And they take to really dig into some of these guys. And we just get a, we just get more surface with them. And I thought, you know, and I thought for all of its faults, Batman Forever tried to. It was it was a lot of it was about Batman and Bruce Wayne. A, a lot of it's garbage, but a lot of it's about uh, Batman and and Bruce Wayne. And I think that we just we don't really get to see that too much anymore, which is a shame. Which is why, which is, which again, like I say, it's kind of why I chose it. I thought it might be uh, interesting to see how this stuff played out decades before the uh, the insanity now, mm. and that's pretty much it. So let's uh, maybe wrap up. Final thoughts on on the movie, Harry. Before we we give our our final recommendations. Surprisingly, good few nuggets in there that I didn't remember, mainly because I hadn't watched it in so long. Maybe I was too harsh on Kilmer. He did a better job than I remembered, but it's still a little too monotone and, you know, I think he could have brought more layers to the role. I like the relationship between him and Dick and him and Chase, but not enough there to warrant me to recommend this, mainly because the rest of the movie is just a farsight. You know, it's just too goofy, too corny. The villains are terrible. It's just Flotsam and Jetsam, those two guys. It's just ridiculous. It's a terrible... Uh, acting by Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey. Opinion. They, they wrecked the movie for me, along with some of Schumacher's directing and his visual style. Too much of a departure from the previous two movies, Burton's universe and the Art Deco world we talked about. And it's too bad. I think if Burton was in charge a little bit more, I think he was a producer on this movie. Mm-hmm. I remember his name is on the credits. Probably a name only, but I think if he had a more active role, this could have been a different movie and better and should have been only one villain. So I don't recommend this movie. It's not a rare antiquity as well. Yeah, bottom of the barrel for Batman and pretty close to in my opinion yeah no, fair enough I think I, I share some of your sentiments with uh, especially Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey just uh, really sink the the movie it's a shame because they're po- both probably well cast for the roles that they were in but just not just didn't doesn't didn't work didn't come across it was too much I, I enjoyed Val Kimmer's portrayal here I, I know you didn't really care for the monotone I, I kind of liked that he was uh, more reserved I thought that we kind of needed that to turn the volume down on the rest of the movie there. Uh, so I like that. The character moments, again, I agree with you. The character moments between him and Dick uh, work really well. Him and Chase also work really well. Some of the jokes worked fine for me uh, that uh, tend not to for everybody else. But uh, I, I don't know. I kind of I remember fondly on it. Uh, it's got its problems for sure, but it's definitely representative of a different time. But yeah, this is a this is a weird one. This is a weird one to watch. So recommendations and is this a rare antiquity? Oh, I, I already said yeah, not a rare antiquity, not recommended for me. Yeah. Uh, I yourself? mean, I, yeah, no, it's not a rare, it's not a rare antiquity. They certainly don't make superhero movies like this before, and and uh, it's kind of the forgotten Batman film. But uh, as far as our as far as our uh, standards go, no, it's not. Uh, but I, I if to recommend it, yeah, I, I I give it a recommendation. I think if you haven't seen this one, this is an interesting exploration of uh, of the character and the zany style of this notwithstanding uh, i think there's some nuggets here that are that are definitely worth watching so uh go check it out but that's batman forever so harry why don't you tell us what we are getting ourselves into next time well we're gonna head back into the science fiction realm here with Robert Wise's 1971 science fiction film, The Andromeda Strain. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I thought, I've never seen it myself. I'm not sure if you have. 
Yes, I have many, many years ago. Yeah, yeah. so I thought I'd, yeah. I'd go down there with a Robert Wise picture. Sounded yeah. interesting, and I know we did Kingdom of the Spiders recently, kind of a disaster flick, but that's more of the cheesy B-horror side of it. Yeah. I think this yeah. is a little bit more of your true type of disaster film, or, you know, kind of like virus film. So I don't think we've really touched on something like that, so it should be interesting. Yeah, no, that should be that should be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. That's, that's a good choice. Oh, thanks, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. That I never had before, so it should be good. Yeah, all right, looking forward to it. Okay, man. Well, I guess I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah, see you on the flip side. Thanks for doing the show, and uh, until next time. All right, cheers. cheers.